I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. And I'm all out of bubblegum. I'm going to give the audience what I think they want. They want chasing, they car crashing. They want the cops to bend the rules to get the job done. They want the boy to get the girl. They want the good guy to win. They want the bad guy to die. Hopefully in the biggest explosion the budget will allow. But most importantly, Senator, they want to walk into a theater and for 90 minutes forget the fucking mess that you have left of this nation. Go get your bubble gum. yippee motherfucker. Hello, and welcome back to the All Auto Bubblegum Podcast. We are once again missing our usual host, Brenton who's uh, stuck in his frozen hell of a home. Uh, but we are today. I have with me uh, Brandon and Marty. Hello. Hello. Who have survived the winter. <laughs> so far. And today we are, as we said in previous episode, introducing Mads Mikkelsen into our uh, Hall of Fame uh, sort of, of actors who have, have killed more than 100 people on screen. And have also been deemed uh, worthy of inclusion. That's correct. And he he was the runaway winner of the of the last sort of election for the Hall of Fame, which we opened up after the Burt Lancaster episode. And so, if you really hate Matt Mickelson, well, you should have joined the Discord and voted for someone else. <laughs> <clears throat> but everyone on the Discord loved Matt Mickelson apparently, and so he's in. And that's. Um, well, I can just say that because it's um, I was the first person to cast votes this time because um, because it was a bit of an unusual one where we had some website issues and so uh, it was not until the both the episode and the page of Bert Lancaster could be published that the voting started again and then when I had fixed that after website problems I was the first to cast votes and all three who I voted for ending up ended up being in the top three vote receivers so sometimes casting votes first really really seems to affect who gets in yeah you inspire people you give them the idea yeah the trailblazer there's like different like phases (laughs) of like voting like the early ones the trailblazers the later ones with the decision makers who like kind of like decide who's has the most votes so far and kind of like decides who tactical votes. yeah exactly it can backfire too though once one time i did uh, put up for uh, for fun a opening vote for Ice T, Ice Cube, and Wall Kilmer, <laughs> and I think nobody else voted for them. No. <laughs> so that was a time when there was uh, someone someone who was due, I guess, in the in the ranks. Yeah. Possibly the time when when Burt Lancaster and those guys won. Yeah, when Brandon got all three of them correct, or at least two <laughs> of them. Yeah, two of them, I believe, Lancaster and. Cooper, I Cooper. believe. Cooper. Yeah, because yeah. Yeah, that was a, it's a, it was a tie, tie election where I tied for third, and so there was four inductees. Mm-hmm. Which, not to get ahead of things, but we'll do this time as well. And not because of a tie, but because a special surprise on April 1st. Uh, no, we also had a, a four-way tie, a tie for third this time. Oh, really? so we're inducting five this time. No. We? Yes, we did. Bunta oh. Sugawara and Frank Sagarino oh, both tied correct. for uh, third place this time. Yeah, and because my um, my idea of tiebreaker, where the person with the more votes to make up the total, then moves ahead, 
was rejected, it's now still a tie. Even though Frank Sagarino received more votes and is therefore the winner in my eyes. <laughs> but this episode is not about Frank Sagarino or an actor who ever worked with Frank Sagarino. Appearing, we've been robbed of. <laughs> yes. Uh, Danish actor Matt Smigelson, who becomes the second Scandinavian actor into the Hall of Fame, behind Dolph Lundgren, obviously, uh, mm-hmm. yeah. who is, I think, one of like the original five members of the Hall of Fame. Rightfully so. Yeah, well, the first couple of ones were just all the people that Kane likes, <laughs> and that's obviously Dolph. Arnold, Sly, those kind of actors. Yeah, yeah uh, Seagal, Van Damme, and Chow Yun-Fat, I think. Those were the... Uh, all the original ones. But yeah, Mads Mikkelsen, Danish actor, uh, professionally trained dancer, worked as a dancer for many years before turning into an actor or like changing over to acting. Uh, professionally trained in ballet, which will, I think, come back in one of the last films we're going to talk about, mm. uh, where it becomes a part of uh, his character. Um, yeah, I'm assuming the first film from him chronologically anyone's seen is Pusher. I see there's two Shorts uh, there's short short films before that. I have not, not seen, I've not attempted to see The Flower Prisoner. But so Pusher. Yeah. Uh, I mean I've seen Pusher at least. Anyone of you seen Pusher? A long, long time ago. Couldn't tell you mm. anything about it really. <laughs> I'm no, not it's seen been it. a couple of years. Yeah. It's been a couple of years for me too. It was uh, Nicholas Winding Refn's debut film, and uh, well, he's 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 gone on to do things too, and um, yeah, it's uh, Mads Mikkelsen plays this uh, sidekick of the main guy, who's played by uh, Kim Bodnia, who I don't know if it's an actor will will come back to in this. Um, he's another like really big Danish actor, but I I don't think he and Mads Mikkelsen uh, co- collaborate a lot. Wasn't he in Pusher too? No. Okay. Uh, we'll we'll go back to Pusher Two eventually because that's what Mads Mikkelsen. But uh, yeah, what happens with the Pusher? No, trilogy he's in Bleeder. Is that I'm, he's in Bleeder. As he well. is in Bleeder. Yeah. It'll be the next next film we're going to talk about. Is also going to star Kim Bodnia. Yeah. yeah. Spoilers. <laughs> yeah. Um, the only thing with the Pusher trilogy is that um, it changes a minor character from the previous movie becomes the main character of the next movie every single time. Okay. And the third one is uh, a prequel, if I'm. No, no, the third one is not a prequel. Is the second one a prequel? No, none of them are a prequel. Okay. I have no idea where you okay. you're, why where you have that from. <laughs> okay, misremembering something probably. Yeah, well, it made a, yeah, pushers about uh, Kim Banya who sort of he, he basically buys some drugs on credit and then uh, he he's gonna be pulled over by the cops and so he dumps all the drugs in the river and. Um, well, then he's out of drugs and out of the money, and he owes a lot of money to this uh, Milo, this uh, drug dealer, and he just has to he try to get those money somehow. And uh, Matt Mikkelsen's just like his sort of partner, sidekick, but they they do eventually fall out. And Matt, uh, he did he just Matt Mikkelsen ends up being beaten into a pulp, and then you don't you don't really see him anymore. That's why I probably thought the second one was a prequel, because I in my memory. Matt dies in part one. Yeah, no, but he doesn't. He, he, well, okay. I don't know if maybe they intended for him to die when they made it, but then six years later they were like, ah, oh, maybe he just he just got beaten really badly. Yeah, okay. 
yeah, and so they just do various things to try to try to get the money, try to force a guy to rob a bank. That guy's played by Thomas Bo Larson, who we will also see again. Yeah. He's going to turn up in several of these. Very distinct uh, face. Yeah. Very uh, he's um probably best known for uh, The Celebration, a movie that uh, Mads Mikkelsen's not in, but great Danish dogma film if you haven't seen it. Uh, the Celebration or Festen. Uh, about a guy who does a, a speech on his dad's birthday where he reveals that his father's a pedophile. Oh, okay. Uh, well, not a pedophile, <laughs> but uh, his, his father abused him and his sister throughout their childhood. Is what he he's, he says it is. Uh, and that's like the opening of the film, so not really spoilers. But uh, that's, that's a great film. That film changed my life. But that's not Pusher. Uh, but Pusher is also pretty good. I liked it. It's really cheap and dirty. Um uh, really downbeat, paranoid, because it's just like it really just spirals out of control for this guy, and he just it just gets worse and worse and worse for him. If you if you enjoy seeing shitty people having a really bad time, um, I'd recommend Pusher for you. <laughs> and I, I remember every character being an asshole. Yeah, pretty much. There's like no no real redeeming characters in Pusher One. We get more of it as the series evolves. Uh, well, we get back to that on Pusher Two, I guess. Yeah. On why why there is a series, but yeah, that's Nicholas Winding Refn. He fam- most famously did Drive. That's his debut, and it's Mads Mikkelsen's feature length debut. And yeah, he's just he, he's uh, he was thirty thirty one when they did this, I think. So he mm. he came late to acting because he was doing dancing for a long time there. I I heard and, uh, that uh, Refn originally wanted to work with only non professionals. Very possible. The producer was like, no, we got to have at least two professional or actual actors. So they just went to like the, the, the School of Dramatic Arts or something and they found Kim Botnia and Mads Mikkelsen. And that's how they ended up in the movie. That's possible. I, I don't actually have a idea of if this was... I th- If um, this was Kim Botnia's first film as well, I think he did one before, another sort of famous one, Danish one called... Uh, Night Watch, which was remade oh, in America with uh, with Nick Nolte, Ewan McGregor. Yeah, well, that's that's the remake yeah. with Nick Nolte and Ewan McGregor. But the original is a Danish one with Kim Bodnia and Nikolai Kosterwaldau. Oh, that's yeah, okay, that's the guy. Yeah. He's the, um, yeah, yeah, the Game of Thrones guy. He doesn't show up in anything Danish anymore, so I keep forgetting about him. Yeah, uh, but that was a huge, huge hit when that came out. I think that one came up before. Ah, uh, okay, yeah. And there's, yeah, and the guy who plays Milo, he's he's great. I love him. He has this weird Danish-Serbian accent. And he's in, oh, what was that called? The cruise ship movie came out, like, last year. Um, Triangle of Sadness. He was in that one. He's he's still doing things, but he's, like, a weird, weird-looking guy. But we'll go, <laughs> no, we won't come back to that, because Mads Mikkelsen's not in Pusher 3. He's the main character of Pusher 3, but that's... We can talk more about that when we do the Slatko Buric episode. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, then the next one is uh, Bleeder, I guess. He does some other stuff, Mads Mikkelsen, some other stuff in between here, but nothing I've ever seen or been close to seeing. Wild Side, Angel of the Night. This is... I have to say, I, I, I did watch the trailers for both, and Angel of the Night yeah. looks kind of great. Oh, well. like the trailer was VHS quality. I don't know if that's just a trailer or the movie, but it looked like like a passion project type. Get your friends together, all your college friends. Let's make a movie, 
and sort of had the great energy. Well, yeah, I'm looking at it now here, and it has a lot of Danish uh, like names, actors in their credits, like Kastor Baldos in there, Slatko Burik again, and Mats Mikkelsen, and yeah, uh, Thomas Bolarsen again. Uh, all in here. Apparently, Mads Mikkelsen in it for about two minutes, uh, says a common here, so... He's not named in the trailer, at least. Yeah, maybe it's like you say. They went to college together, and then Mads show up as a favor. <laughs> I don't know. If you've seen Angel of the Night, email us, as always. <laughs> all out of BG, that gmail.com. Yeah, oh, and then the next one, Bleeder, which I have also seen. Uh, spoilers, I've seen a lot of Mads Mikkelsen movies. Well, you've seen a lot of uh, Refn mu- movies. I've seen every single... No, I haven't. I have Ferex on DVD in the living room. I was supposed to watch it. That's the only one I haven't watched. I've seen all the other ones. Yeah, all the Refn movies. He directed Only God's Forgives, right? Yeah, Only God Forgives, yeah. Drive, those... Um, God, what was that? Bronson. Mm, yeah, Neon Demon. That was the other... Uh, he'll come up uh, at least once more because he did a third Bad Smickelson movie. But yeah, I, I love him. Uh, I've not seen any of his TV shows yet because they are so long. But I really should watch Too Old to Die Young. It seems like uh, fun. And he runs this uh, cool website where he like rescues uh, weird prints of uh, like outsider American movies called By NWR. Oh, which uh, you can check out. You can sign sign up for free. Some of the movies you have to rent, but a lot of them are free, and it's like sort of like uh, weird lost uh, fringe art stuff. I saw one there called uh, "In the Nest of the Cuckoo Birds Inn" that I really liked, which is like a weird southern noir thing. Okay. Which uh, one guy wrote it, directed, started it, and he never made another movie. But yeah, uh, that apropos nothing. Yeah. But yeah. <laughs> Leader is uh, a weird movie. It's got it's really split into two stories, one about Kim Bodnia and one about Mads Mikkelsen. And uh, Mads Mikkelsen runs a video store, and he is lonely and just tries trying to get a date with a with a waitress that he likes. And it's like basically a really sweet kind of romantic comedy with uh, Mads Mikkelsen being like. Playing maybe the most relatable film nerd in uh, in I've ever seen in a film, like oh I feel oh every time they do like the film nerd character it's it's too too dialed up too stereotypical, and I feel like yeah I I I recognize myself in this guy. Oh really? And, uh, yeah, he does just a just a speech about how Fred Williamson is king and Cambodia. <laughs> there you go. There's your relatability. Kim Bodnia tries to convince him that Steven Seagal is better than Bruce Lee. <laughs> Matt Spickles is like, no, 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 but Steven Seagal is, is just fat. <laughs> and this was in 1998. Yeah, yeah, 1999, 98. I'm not sure when they shot it exactly. So, yeah, it actually predates all the Steven Seagal memes and yeah. DTV stuff. I'm going to have to check this movie out. Yeah, it sounds good. Yeah. Well, there is a second half to this movie. Oh. Uh, and that's Kim Bodnia gets his girlfriend pregnant and he can't can't cope with the stress of becoming a father and he keeps beating his, his he beats his girlfriend, she loses the child. The girlfriend's brother injects Kim Bodnia with AIDS infected blood. Kim Bodnia gets AIDS 
Hakim Badnia shoots the brother in the leg, shoots himself in the hand, smears AIDS blood on the brother, and kills himself. Oh, also very relatable. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that happened to me in college. Yeah, we've all been there. <laughs> yeah, and so that's the wildly, wildly different uh, halves of that movie. With Kim Badnia and Mads Mikkelsen are friends, so they hang out, but then they sort of go on their own. They're two separate stories. And it has this really nice, hopeful ending with Mads Mikkelsen and his uh, waitress. And it's like, oh, so sweet and romantic. But it's like, oh, yeah, this movie was actually about people infecting each other with AIDS as a revenge plot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> a lot to unpack. But, yeah, Mads Mikkelsen watches old kung fu movies in this one. And uh, Kim Bodnia plays another complete piece of shit. <laughs> Why are you typecasting him like that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Why are you doing your boy like that, Nicholas Winding Ref? Uh, I'm, I'm sensing there's a long time until you've seen something, Brandon, or do you have any? Yeah. <laughs> King Arthur is the oldest Ooh, okay. Mads Mikkelsen film I've seen, so it's going to take a while. Okay. It's not yeah. that far off, but... Yeah. Uh, the next one I've seen is uh, Flickering Lights or uh, Bling in the Lycto. Yeah, me too. Did you catch catch this one, Marty? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, this is the first one of his films with uh, Anders Thomas Jensen, who's a writer-director who um, every film he's directed, uh, Mads Mikkelsen stars in it. Yeah. Uh, so we'll, we'll come across a couple of those. But he, he's also a writer. He writes a lot of stuff. He's written even more. Um, and he writes some great movies, too, but, um, like that he hasn't directed. How weird. He wrote In a Better World, which won the Oscar. It's a really good movie. Oh, I've seen that one too. No, Mads Mikkelsen in that one, but no. but he did, yeah. So Ulrich Thompson was in that one? Uh, was he? It's or the other? Yeah, you know, Michael Peer. Okay, yeah. Michael Peersbrandt is in that one. Yeah, Ulrich Thompson is this in that. That's right. I'm I'm checking it now. I just, uh, Michael Peersbrandt plays the lead. He's a Swedish actor. Who will we come back to? Because he also did some movies with Mads Mikkelsen. But this one is Flickering Lights from 2000, which is like a gangster comedy and uh, I guess post uh, post Tarantino, but also kind of post Guy Ritchie, because we've gotten lock stock yeah. at this point. And so there's like four small time gangsters that um, it's not going very well for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're kind of losers. <laughs> They've just done a bad cigarette job. And the uh, lead guy's ex-wife is, is leaving him. He has a new boyfriend. And so he's really down, and then they're hired by their boss to steal a briefcase from the Greek embassy? Something like that, yeah. I think. And then they open the, the suitcase, and they see, oh, there's there's four million kroners in here. Let's just fuck off with this money. <laughs> Let's go to um, Barcelona. Yeah, that's their first plan. Go to Barcelona. Uh, but then, because uh, this one has Ulrich Thompson again. Um, who will show up in a lot of stuff. Uh, he's the star of uh, the Festen too, the celebration. And we also have Nikolai Likos, who will come back to several times. He will show up again and again and again. You could say that all of these actors are sort of like, these are my most watched actors this year now, by yeah. default of watching Mads Mikkelsen movies. Well, also, just under Thomas Jensen casts the same guys in all his movies. Yeah. Sort of. It's, yeah. Uh, Not just Mads, but the other ones as well. Yeah, Mads Mikkelsen, Nikolai Lee Kass, Oleg Thompson, and this guy called Ule Testrup, who was also in 
all his movies until he died. Ulla Testrup died because he was he's already old in this one. He plays the farmer. Oh, they, he has such an amazing they, face. <laughs> Uh, he has one of the, he's one of the ugliest humans I've ever seen. <laughs> um, yeah, he he plays that they meet a farmer because what happens is Oleg Thompson gets shot and then they sort of hide out in this uh, abandoned house in the woods while they're while he gets better before they can escape to Barcelona because they need to wait there for I think it's two weeks. The doctor says before they can he's okay to fly. Yeah. Yeah, and then they meet some they meet this uh local farmer who's a gun nut and Matt Mickelson is also a gun nut. <laughs> so they kind of bond over guns and they shoot cows and various forest animals and Nikolai Lee causes a pregnant girlfriend that he brings out there but everyone hates her. <laughs> and, and the main guy's played by Son <laughs> Peelmark who I don't think comes back in anything else we've seen. Um I didn't recognize him. I recognize him from something else, which is a, a, a crime series with um, uh, Nikolai Lee Koss, but uh, obviously not with Mads Mikkelsen, so unrelated. And yeah, they just hang out there, and then uh, Son Pilmark decides to, to start spending the $4 million. He, he He ends up buying the whole house they're hiding out in. He wants to turn it into a restaurant. And uh, yeah. You didn't really like this one. I did not really like this one. No, I thought it just sort of ran out of steam. It just like, okay, it had a, a nice setup and then just, just nothing happened. It just like the, it was just like treading water for the whole back end, I felt. Anders Thomas Jensen hadn't perfected his style yet for this one. Yeah. But I have just become a massive fan of the guy over the last couple of years. Oh, yeah, because I'm going to, I'm coming sort of the other way. So well, we this will spoilers for the future, I guess. But Writers of Justice was the first one of his I saw, uh, and I saw it at the end of the last year, and that's the movie that made me nominate Mads Mikkelsen to begin with, and that was one of my favorite movies that I watched last year, and I'm starting to feel like Writers of Justice was a fluke because I have not enjoyed any of the movies I've seen from him mm-hmm. even half as much as Writers of Justice. I like to jump ahead as well a bit because I liked Mads Mikkelsen. I love those actors who just take their bad guy typecasting and just go with it. So I loved him. And then sort of by chance, I got a chance to see Man and Chicken, which is, I think, his collaboration with Jensen just before Riders of Justice. Yeah, that's the only one I have not seen, but that's... um... That's the one between Adam's apples and uh, Writers of Justice, I guess. The. It's it's the least seen, least well-known one. Yep. But it was just such, so weird. And Mads Mikkelsen is fucking hilarious in that movie. As I, so I just became really interested. Then I watched Adam's Apples. Loved that one even more, probably. Then came Writers of Justice and now Flickering Lights. And my God, I just love his dark dry humor okay well then then you gotta watch the green butchers which well we'll come back to later again <laughs> but uh yeah because that is that was my that's the uh, one that i liked <laughs> of the other ones that's, that's my the favorite. one i haven't seen yeah i own it on dvd but yeah men and chickens the only one that wasn't available on any streaming here and it no. wasn't at the library either and then i was like ah i have so many mads mickelson movies available on streaming i'm not going to download any for this 
it's it's really tough to get hold of. I got to see it sort of by chance. How lucky I did. But it's mm. re- it's a really we're gonna talk about it later, probably. Yeah. But yeah. So <laughs> but I, I yeah. just also really like flickering lights. It does tread water a bit, I but th- there's still some really funny bits. Yeah, I mean it's okay. Like I, I really the, the pretty much the longer I got into it, the less I liked it. But I was really it was between a, a three star and a two and a half star, and I went, ended up at the two and a half. But that was a, it was a close one for me on that one. Uh, and again, Thomas Bull Larsen shows up as a, as a guy trying to rob their restaurant and fails. <laughs> On the first day when they have no money. <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah. Uh, that's two movies in a row where Thomas Bull Larsen shows up uh, as a guy who can't rob a place. <laughs> mm, but in, pu- in Pusher, he blows his brains out with a shotgun. <laughs> oh, sounds like, um, what is that, Wild at Heart or whatever, when the Willem Dafoe blows his own head off during a robbery. yeah. Yeah, well, no, this is different. Though. Like oh. They're trying to force him to do the robbery, and they give him the shotgun to do the robbery, and then he just shoots himself. But it's also <laughs> done on, like, no budget, so it really just... He puts the shotgun up, the camera pants left, and then blood on the wall. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, the next movie is something called Mona's World, and that's not seen this one. No. Uh, the next one I've seen is called Shake It All About, or En Lang En Kort. Uh, en Kort En Lang. And it's a romantic comedy where Mads Mikkelsen plays one half of a gay couple. And Mads Mikkelsen starts having an affair with his boyfriend's brother's wife. And it was it's just a really bad, really unfunny movie. Really, I don't know what, I don't know if to call it homophobic or biphobic or whatever. It's just this like, uh, clearly from the early 2000s sort of like um, sex in the city or whatever and just like it just feels like incredibly thor- poorly thought out and realized now and I'm not going to waste any any time talking about it I felt it to be not funny and very just yeah not 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 a movie worth your time at all <laughs> unless you want to see Mads Mikkelsen pretend to be gay well yeah <laughs> mm? or Mads Mikkelsen try to eat two sausages at once which is it a metaphor? I don't know. <laughs> yeah. But no, there's a scene. Yeah, there's a scene where he's on a date with a uh, lady he's having an affair with, but just trying to hide it. And then he's got his hot dog and her hot dog. And then two guys they know come by, and he has to pretend that both the hot dogs are his. And it's that it's not funny. It's, oh, okay. It's a it's a thing. The movie <laughs> is painfully not funny. Okay. Uh, um, yeah, just uh, yeah. I don't know. Early two thousands rom com. Bullshit! I hate, I hate, <laughs> hate, hate all of them. Uh, next one. I think you've seen Marty. Yeah, I have not, which is a bit shameful. It's uh, I am Dina, which is a Norwegian movie, and I didn't watch it. It's English language, though. Yeah, and also, also it's a major co-production, I think, between the, the directors Danish, uh, co-produced by Denmark, France, Germany, Norway, Sweden. So, but it is shot in Norway. The lead is Norwegian, and I think it was the biggest budgeted Norwegian movie at the time. It was like a huge deal mm. when this when this came out, and okay. I still haven't seen it. So tell me about it. Well, the Danish director you mentioned is Ola Bornedal, who did Nightwatch. Oh yeah, and Nightwatch the remake. <laughs> yeah, remade his own film. And I, I really like those, so I thought, fuck it, I'm gonna check this one out. And you know, it's good doesn't have a lot of plot. It just goes through the life of a girl 
she grows up, um, becomes really, really horny and crazy. <laughs> um, okay. It's really difficult to say what it's about, really, because it doesn't really have much of a plot. Mm. But it's set in sort of like patriarchal times. She yeah. is sort of responsible for the death of her mother as a young child, and her father keeps blaming her for it. She becomes sort of a pariah. Then as soon as she's physically mature, Gerard Depardieu wants to marry her. Mm. Wouldn't be like Gerard Depardieu to want to seduce some underage girls. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but she sort of takes like a control of her life and still really horny, still just <laughs> lots of men. Uh, so it's sort of like a sexual coming of age as well, set in this remote Norwegian patriarchal society. Yeah, it was set in the 19th century. It's a yeah. historical drama, which is why it costs so much money, I guess. I don't, it's, it seems like, I've never been to Norway, but it seems like a sort of fishing village G up in Norway would still look like that. Yeah, I mean, it says it's set in northern Norway. I don't, I don't know where I can see if I can find out where it was shot. And uh, Mets plays um, Depardieu's stepson from his former marriage. And he wants to um, run his father's business. Um, he's very capitalistic. Um, but the girl, Dina, inherits the company when Depardieu dies. So he becomes sort of the antagonist for a while. Um, Christopher Eccleston plays a communist from Russia. So there's sort of like the capitalism versus communism thing going on. And, um, well, Mickelson has a couple of scenes that could have been used for like an Oscar show reel, if you know what I mean. Like there's two scenes where he just acts his heart out, really fucking good in it, small as his role is. And um, yeah, that's it. Like not a lot of plot, not a lot of stuff that actually happens, but I did enjoy it. All right, yeah. Um, it was shot in Cheringe in Buda, which, looking at some pictures, uh, does still look very 19th century. I've never been, but yeah, um, I know mostly know this movie because it was huge, huge production at the time. And just looking at the cast, it's just like a ton of of uh, every minor character basically is played by a Norwegian. Everyone played someone in this, just like wedding guest, merchant, just like the prison guard, just small, small, no-name roles. And they're just like, ah, yes, let's get everyone in here, apparently. So I should definitely check this out. Good way to spend two hours. Yeah. Next one is, uh, for me, is Open Hearts, a dogma movie by Susanna Bia, who will also get back to, but who also did In a Better World, which we already mentioned. And this one's about uh, Nikolai Likos plays a guy who's just gotten engaged and he gets run over by a car and he gets uh, paralyzed from the neck down. And that's not really what the movie is about. That's you, listening to the plot description. You think like, OK, it's going to be about him uh, learning to live again or whatever. No, not at all. It's about his girlfriend uh, starting an affair with Mads Mikkelsen. And it was Mads Mikkelsen's wife who ran over Nikolai Likos. Um, and so that that's what happens, basically. Mads Mikkelsen plays the doctor who starts having an affair with this girl who is uh, uh, 20 years younger than him. And, uh, yeah, it's... The, the, the guy with the broken neck plot sort of just 
hangs around in the background a bit. Is he his doctor? Uh, no. He's just a doctor. He's just a... Well, he's, his wife ran over the guy, so I think it's he can't be the... Uh, yeah. But I don't know. They don't really say what kind of doctor Mads Mikkelsen is. He's just a doctor. Okay. You know, and then... So, no, there's just a separate of the guy he hangs out with his nurse. Because uh, the guy who breaks his neck, uh, like, really rejects his girlfriend. And it's like, I don't want to talk to you. You fuck off. Uh, and so she starts an affair with Mads Mikkelsen, which, of course, uh, tears his family apart. And, <clears throat> yeah, I think it's in, I don't know what to say. Like, in the end, you sort of feel like, okay, the only guy who, who sort of wins on anything here is the guy who, who actually breaks his neck and <laughs> loses everything. But he, he, he at least he, he's, he's left with, like, a, a, a sort of a hopeful perspective or something. I don't know. Uh, but it's it's a dogma shot in the dogma style, but obviously takes a lot of um, liberties because there's very strict rules to dogma. And well, there's a scene where Nikolai Likos gets hit by a car, and that's if you in dogma that would mean that you would actually have to run him over and that the blood uh, should be real. But I'm assuming that's fake blood, <laughs> and they didn't actually just ram a car into heavy <laughs> method acting but i thought it was um <laughs> yeah, yeah i thought it was a really really good drama actually it's uh sort of like very l- kind of low stakes low key nothing really happens like it's like a fight between matt smickles and his wife but it's just like oh you had an affair fuck you kind of like it's not like a huge not no no, no huge dramatic turns or anything but uh it was pretty good yeah but that's sort of like Susanna beer's thing yeah it is uh well it's just not but now she's just doing like bird box and some crap but it used to be her thing at least she she also made like brothers with Ulrich thompson which is a great one yeah she did two movies of which i've only seen the remakes what's the other one after the wedding you've seen the remake of that yeah. one i learned there was a remake yesterday while watching it and i was like how the fuck does that work we'll get to that yeah. when we get to it i guess but <laughs> Then the next up is, uh, did anyone see Wilbur wants to kill himself or the boy below? No. No? No. Then the next one is the Green Butchers. The second collaboration between Mads Mikkelsen and Anders Thomas Jensen. And this one also has Nikolai Likas and um, and Ule Testrup and also introduces uh, Nicolas Brou, who will become a regular in these movies. And uh, it's about two boat butchers who are sort of uh, working as a butcher's apprentice for this uh, monstrous <laughs> evil butcher in a way. He just seems he's like a super big asshole to them. And um, they want to start their own butcher shop because um, they love being butchers, I guess, for some reason. Well, you get to know why one of them. And um, yeah, and so then it turns out Nikolai Likas, who plays the other butcher, he has a twin brother who's in a coma. He tells them to turn his brother's life support off so he can get the inheritance. And then he takes up a loan based on the inheritance that he will get. And then they start their butcher shop with that. Butcher shop doesn't go well. Then an electrician dies in their cooler and they decide to just make make meat out of that uh, guy. And they serve <laughs> it. Uh, they sell it and it becomes a huge hit. Uh, and so they're like, oh shit, we have to keep killing people and, and, uh, and <laughs> serve them as meat. <laughs> that's the success. 
and then it's like yeah Mads Mikkelsen just like <laughs> kills random people in a park sometimes brings <laughs> them to to the butcher shop but then Nikolai Lee Koss's brother wakes up from his coma and he, he's mentally challenged and um, that's a real like uh, simple Sam no what's that Simple Jack, Simple yeah. Jack yeah. I, yeah. performance, like really, ay, 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 are we doing this? <laughs> Can we, <laughs> like it's hard hard to watch. I, I'm imagining it works though in his style of movies. Kind of. It is a bit painful to watch at times. Um, yeah, and then we learned that uh, like the, his mentally challenged twin, he loves animals. And so the normal Nikolai Likas, he is a butcher because he hates animals because his twin <laughs> brother loves animals. And uh, yeah, yeah. so that's because it's um, it turns out that his um, Nikolai Likas' wife, mother, and father died in a car accident because they let the uh, disabled twin drive to the zoo to see a giraffe or something. Uh, because the the brother was born with mental challenge, like he didn't. It, it's not because of the coma. Oh, okay. and so he, uh, yeah. They when he, they were kids, he always got every the everything he wanted, and then he wanted to drive the car. And his parents were like, "Yeah, let's just let him drive the car." And then he crashed it, and everyone died. <laughs> and yeah, there's uh, some weird stuff. Just like a b plot about a preacher who had to eat his own wife because their plane crashed. And then he starts recognizing the the taste of human meat, and yeah, it's it's a weird one. But if if you like this guy's comedy style, you probably enjoy this. This is my second favorite of of their collaborations. Okay. And uh, yeah, it's a pretty pretty dark comedy. Matt Mikkelsen has a terrible hairstyle in it. Like <laughs> he's shaved like half midway to midway up his head or something, <laughs> and he, he's just he's sweating constantly. He's so sweaty in this movie. Everyone keeps commenting <laughs> about how much he sweats. <laughs> but then we can finally move on to King Arthur. Oh, yes. Okay. And let Brandon... Assuming nobody saw the Spanish movie. Oh, yeah. Torremolino 73 did not bother watching that. <laughs> no. Well, anyway. Yeah, King Arthur. Yeah, it's... it's it's um Obviously, it's a tale of King Arthur, but without any of the fantasy elements. It's set during kind of like the transition from Roman times to medieval times. And it's definitely not Mads Mikkelsen's movie. It's more about like um, Clive Owen being King Arthur. A lot of action. It's a, it's a good action adventure movie. The drama doesn't hit home or anything like that. But if you just want to watch people kill each other with swords and stuff, it's a fine action movie to watch. Yeah. yeah. On this rewatch, I thought it was painfully mediocre. Oh. <laughs> yeah. I remember watching this in the cinema when it came out. And I enjoyed it enough that I did buy the DVD. But again, I probably have not seen this movie since 2005, so I'm not gonna, <laughs> not gonna give uh, like review it too hard. There, I don't, I don't remember much of it at all. I know that I think they they say the story is that Antoine Fuqua wanted to cast Daniel Craig as King Arthur, uh, and um, Jerry Bruckheimer overruled him. And was like, we want Clive Owen because Clive Owen's going to be the next James Bond. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. And then, of course, it turns out, well, who was the next James Bond? We'll come back to that when we actually have to talk about <laughs> yeah. the, the yeah. James Bond. <laughs> what What is weird, though, is I think that Mads is playing a Mongolian in this one. Yes. His name's just Tristan. Uh, yeah, that's true. But they're like from an area they call Sarmatia which I think back in the day was 
Iran. Very mm. possible. And he does wear like um, the Mongolian hat. Okay. And he has an has an okay. eagle or something that he uses to scout. Hmm. Well, it's kind of. If John Mongolians did have a big empire during this time, so that's true. That possible. Is true. Yeah. If John Wayne could pull it off. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And the next one is uh, Pusher Two. Uh, which is called Pusher with Blood on My Hands in English, I don't know. They added sequel titles to the sequels. They're just called Pusher 2 and 3 in in Danish, but in England, in the English translations, they got a second title for some reason. And this one is... Uh, Mads Mikkelsen is the um, main character in this one. He's released from prison. Uh, he learns that he, had a, he has a son, I think it is. He has a child at least. He's, he fathered a child sometime before going into prison, and um, yeah, and then he, he but he's reunites with his his dad, who's a, who's is a, who is a criminal. It's clear like oh, this guy he's a, like a brutal criminal. It's clear that this is the guy who sort of got him off the why why Matt Mickelson's character is fucked up. It's just really about Matt Mickelson wanting to change his life so he can be uh, a father for this son that he now has. And that's obviously harder to do uh, than he wants to, because everyone in his his circle is are, are drug dealing criminals. <laughs> and I think it's, it's a it's a very good movie. Both Matt Mickelson and the guy playing his dad just, just knocks it out of the park. Um, yeah, not gonna break down the plot of this one too much. And I actually think the Pusher trilogy just gets better as it goes on. My favorite is Pusher Three. Uh, yeah, just like the sequels just give you characters like to root for. Like Matt Mickelson, he's doing something in this movie that you kind of want him to achieve. Uh, and to, you want him to be able to change his life. And sort of in the third one too, you kind of, okay, you want this guy to be able to sort of get out. They were going to make a fourth one, which uh, featuring a character from Pusher 3. Uh, but then that guy was arrested in real life because he was a criminal. And then they abandoned <laughs> making that movie. <laughs> yeah. It happened. Yeah, somebody somebody on the Discord asked us to watch Pusher 2, but I tried but I couldn't get my hands on a copy. Oh, yeah. oh I've seen seen all Unfortunately. seen all three of them and great trilogy, I think. Then we have Adam's Apples, which you I guess you can talk about Marty because you love this. I do. Finn on plot, but it's basically if I remember correctly, a neo-Nazi has to do what do you call it? Parole work or something like that? Community service. Community service, yes, that's it. At a church? Yeah. And he just doesn't want to do it, so he's really uh, recalcitrant. And Matt's plays the priest, who's just way too patient <laughs> and kind. And, well, spoilers in the end, it's revealed that he has a brain tumor, so he can't actually think properly. Um, yeah, the plot isn't really all that important. It's it's the interactions and the dark comedy. Yeah, it's another Anders Thomas Jensen film. Yeah, it's got Max Mikkelsen, Ulrich Thompson, Ulla Testrup, Nikolai Likas, Nicholas Bro. All of them are in here. Yeah, I I remember um, a bit where they think Ulrich Thompson shoots a cat out of a tree, and that's no, one. it's another character who does oh, it. Okay, well that's one of the funniest things I've ever seen in the film. <laughs> yeah, because there's the uh, um, just there's Matt Mickelson is a preacher, but then there's two other uh, people doing community service there, which is 
Nicholas right. Bro as a, a obese uh, alcoholic, former tennis star. Who also just keeps eating and drinking throughout the entire movie, right? He keeps correctly. drinking at least. Yeah. He drinks all the time, uh, and uh, Matt Smith was like, "Oh no, he's 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 teetotal now," and he's like, "No, that's clear." <laughs> and there's, um, yeah, Ali Kasim plays this guy who's there for. Uh, he's been doing bank robbery, and uh, he's the guy who has all the guns, and he oh, yeah. shoots the cat. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, and it's just the, the second Ulrich Thompson comes to the church, everything starts going worse. Um, and I don't know, this was not a one where I just didn't like it. I just felt like it didn't, it just kept doing the same joke over and over and over and over and over again. Like, it it was all it was like, yeah, Ulrich Thompson is not nice. This is your joke. Enjoy yeah. it. <laughs> My favorite part is when Mads Mikkelsen goes to his room and there's like a picture of Adolf Hitler on the wall. <laughs> and he's like, ah, who's that? Is that your father? And he's like... <laughs> That's that's Hitler. Mads Mikkelsen's like, no, no, no. Hitler had a beard. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. he just can't stop being positive about everything. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, no, no, that can't be Hitler. It has to be uh, someone you know. Yeah. <laughs> and the reason the film is called Adam's Apples is because Mads Mikkelsen has the idea to plant an apple tree. when. Uh, no, they already have they one. They have it. Oh, They sorry. have an apple tree, and it's... Uh, Matt Mickelson makes Oleg Thompson uh, have a goal for his community service. Yes, that's it. And Oleg Thompson says, like, I would like to make a cake. And then he's like, okay, well, you can make an apple cake. And so then he has to make sure that the apples can, uh, like, survive uh, or whatever, mature, whatever apples do uh, until they can be harvested and turned into a cake. But then everything starts going wrong with the apples and everything, and it's... I don't know, there's some a metaphor there, like Ulrich Thompson's a bad force, whatever. But I mean, I, I guess it does it does turn around in the end. There is a Ulrich Thompson does does actually have a change of art, but I just felt it was it was too one note for me. But I don't know, maybe yeah. maybe it's great. Maybe I see almost everyone else loves this. It is, it is probably really one note, but it's a note that I really like. Yeah. It seems like that, like either you are really on board with this movie or you're not because it's, again, it's not a bad, it's a really well-made movie. I just felt like it got got stuck in second gear, sort of. No, it's it's definitely an acquired taste. Uh, next one then is After the Wedding, mm, which uh, I I also saw. Uh, you saw the remake. I, I thought Michael. I'd seen it, but I misremembered. I just found it out like a day ago or something. Like, oh, oh. I, should, I haven't actually seen this one. <laughs> and this one is sort of like the celebration a bit. But it's like Mads Mikkelsen runs an orphanage. He's invited. Uh, uh, he has to be well, invited slash forced to go to Denmark to meet this guy who wants to donate a bunch of money to his orphanage. Because uh, he's like, no, we, uh, you have to come meet me in Copenhagen or I won't donate. He comes there and he's like, okay. Um. Uh. Why? Well, we blah blah blah. They present. They talk. They're like, okay. Um. My daughter's getting married this weekend. Can we meet for lunch on Monday? And we can uh, agree on the deal and sign the papers. And Mr. Like, yeah. Okay. He's like, oh well, just come to the wedding. So then I can get to know you. The girl at the wedding, who's the guy's daughter, holds a speech where she reveals that okay, this guy is not her actual father. And then Matt Mickelson realizes that oh shit, her mom is my ex-girlfriend from when I was like really young and basically a drug addict and this girl is my daughter and that's why they've invited me here. 
and that's it happens pretty early on in the rest of the movies sort of like about Matt Mickelson trying to like learn learn to know his daughter and sort of bury the axe with his ex-girlfriend and come to terms with things and trying to understand why this this uh guy who's uh, now married to his ex-girlfriend uh wants to do this and stuff and there's like a lot of stuff revealed throughout and then there's a gender swapped remake which i don't almost don't understand how it works because there's no. no way you would give birth to a baby and forget about it yeah that's <laughs> like because in this movie Matt mickelson did not know that his girlfriend they were living abroad together and then they they fought because they kept doing that and she she left and he didn't know that she was pregnant when she left and she never told him so he never knew yeah like you said the remake is a gender swap which makes it really weird um i think the story is michelle williams who has the mickelson role she had a baby with a guy and then she gave the baby to the guy to give up for adoption but he changed his mind on the way to the <laughs> adoption thing or something like that it's like okay. okay that you want to remake something with a gender swap but like pick a different one because this is a bit convoluted <laughs> yeah it's, it seems like it definitely does not work in the same way yeah i do think like julianne moore watched the original was like oh my god what a great movie I want to start in a remake and then they sort of just force the gender swap on the story where it doesn't make sense. Yeah, it seems weird. It was. But I thought it was a, it was a really good, pretty good movie, yeah. Uh, Mads Mikkelsen's really good in it, the da uh, daughter's really good in it, and uh, Swedish actor Rolf Lasko, who plays the, the like stepfather slash millionaire benefactor, is also, is also great in it. But I guess then we can finally move on to Casino Royale. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I see Exit and Prague. Nobody saw this stuff. You've seen them? No, no, oh, no. Oh, sorry. I've already seen too much. <laughs> <laughs> but Casino Royale is uh, Daniel Craig's first uh, film. It's James Bond. Sort of a reboot. Kind of goes back to James Bond's origins a little bit. It's about um, Daniel Craig trying to infiltrate like this casino poker tournament. And Mads Mikkelsen plays the villain who uh, cries blood. A little bit, not a lot. He's not like some like statue of like the Virgin Mary, just like crying blood all over the world. Yeah. No, but, <laughs> no, but, he's I mean, got a fucked up eye. Yeah, yeah. He's and not I a think statue of the Virgin Mary. I don't know what I'm talking about anymore. But <laughs> well put. Like, well that's put. what I think. I, I think the, beneath the Planet of the Apes, maybe when the statues are crying and puking up blood and it's G-rated and stuff like that. But anyway, it's a good James Bond movie. I think before like this film, a lot of the James Bond movies felt kind of committee movie-ish, like they're made by like. Like a committee of people saying, we need to have this set piece and we need to have this element, then this set piece and this action scene. But I think things started kind of coming together for Casino Royale in a more coherent manner. Yeah, I think the, the also there's the Pierce Brosnan ones as they went on really just over the top, just go crazier and crazier. Like it became really about what what's the biggest set piece we can possibly do. And I mean, die another day. <laughs> oh, uh, I like that one. <laughs> I could have done with some. F that paragliding scene <laughs> erase it from my memory <laughs> yeah casino royale does bring it down a few notches in terms of yeah. like the, the realism the invisible level. car is back for casino royale yeah you couldn't <laughs> see it because it's invisible no. <laughs> that's true <laughs> yeah casino royale's really stripped down compared to yeah. where the series had been going it's the best movie in the bond series maybe not the best bond movie but it's the only one where any character has any sort of arc like it, it's maybe an i mean it's film. definitely 
definitely one of my favorites. It's yeah. a very, very well-made film. Yeah. And um, yeah, Mads Mikkel plays Le Chiffre. He's, uh, he's funding some uh, black weapon trades or something. Well, he's yeah. a banker, I... banker for uh, terrorists, basically. He holds their money and then he uses that money to uh, gamble on the stock market. Yeah, I think we see him early on in some country that's like... Uganda. I, they say Uganda? I think so, yeah. Okay, I was going to say... It's definitely an African like, country, but... Yeah, I was going to say like pseudo, pseudo Rwanda or something, but Rwanda, yeah. Uganda, I mean... They're both known for their genocide. It's... <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, and yeah, previous that role previously played by Orson Welles. Actually, in, that's well, right. In a terrible, the... in a terrible comedy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's very funny is that they they change the card game they're playing in this movie to Texas Hold'em, which is like <laughs> the least classy game. <laughs> it's like in Montenegro or something like that too, isn't it? Like yeah. we're gonna play Texas Hold'em in like Montenegro or something like that. Yeah, it was uh, Texas Hold'em was hot at the time, but yeah. like, that's I, th- I assume they play like Baccarat or something in the original. Yeah, that's what Probably. Bond always plays in the books. Mm-hmm. This is actually the third adaptation of the story. There's a 1954 black and white live on television version of this where Barry Nelson played James Bond. And it's good, too. I mean, it's Peter Lorre's the bad guy, and it's a oh. good movie. Jimmy Bond, though, right? Yeah, Jimmy Bond. Yeah, like, oh, yeah. Jimmy Bond, you're American now. It's, 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 yeah. it's a good adaptation for what it is. Then there's the 60s version, which is a comedy, and then we get to this one. But I'm intrigued. Peter Lorre is this part. That's um, I'd like to see it. It's really good. He fumbles his lines a little bit, which only makes <laughs> oh, yeah, it more enjoyable. Yeah, which makes it more enjoyable when he's like, "I'm gonna, what am I gonna do, James Bond? I'm gonna torture you? Yeah, that's it. I'm gonna torture you, James Bond." <laughs> it makes, yeah. it, Don't it give him ideas. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, that is the most memorable scene, I guess, in Casino Royale too, when Mads Mikkelsen whips Daniel Craig in the dick. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. yeah, smashes his balls real good. Yeah, I Matt Smith is a good villain. He gets memorable with the uh, Christ crying blood, and he's also just like super desperate in this one. Yeah, it's kind of funny. Like he's not really a huge threat. Like as soon as he loses the money, he's kind of fucked. Yeah, but then he yeah he just kind of gets sort of killed off screen almost. Not off screen. He does happen on screen, but it's like we don't really get a, a showdown with him and Bond or whatever. No, There's, but it works. Yeah. It does. It's probably my the middle of the pack for my Daniel Craig 007 films. I probably yeah. prefer Skyfall and No Time to Die better, but I do like Casino Royale quite a bit. Especially the stunts in the beginning when they're like jumping around on like cranes and stuff like that. It's really good. Mm, oh, I think if I was picking one favorite per Bond, Casino Royale would come up on top for me. Yes. Yeah. It's a respectable opinion, but I prefer Skyfall and No Time to Die more. But Casino Royale, still better than Quantum of Solace, and... I can't remember the other one. Spectre. Uh, Spectre. It's that's Spectre. Right. Spectre, that's yeah. right. Okay, the memorable um, Spectre, yes. Yeah, no, Skyfall's pretty good, too. Yeah. yeah. But I guess we next up we have Flame and Citron. Flammen und Citronen. Yeah, I've seen this Danish one. war movie. Well, then have fun. I've seen it, too, but two <laughs> movies you've seen in a row. Now we're... Yeah, oh, now we're cooking. You're on fire. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. It's It's... it's it's a Danish um, resistance film where they fight the Nazis. It's not great. It's watchable, but if you're gonna watch like a a Nordic resistance film set during World War II, I'd probably recommend Max Manus, which is more of a Norwegian World War II film. More, but Flame and Citron is watchable. 
it's not anything spectacular. I'm glad you said it because I would say the exact same thing, but it would just <laughs> come come off as sounding patriotic and biased. But <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Uh, this came out the same year as Max Manus, and because uh, uh, then we got this one sort of. Max Manus is our biggest uh, box office hit in recent yeah. Like the only one that's sort of like after the '60s almost that is like a massive, massive box office hit, and then so then this came out sort of they're trying to push this into Norway on the same like oh yeah you can see the Danish Max Manus and <laughs> yeah I mean this one's a lot more intrigue and this is uh, it's also a biopic uh, these these people did live and they did assassinate Nazis and this one obviously much more downbeat ending than Max Manus and also just it's sort of I don't know how much, like, sort of almost like soap opera at times. There's a lot of twists and thir- turns, and it's like, oh, it turns out that his mistress was also the Gestapo leader's mistress, and oh, which side is she really on? And I'm like, oh, what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's not yeah, great. It is, it is, it's quite long. Uh, but Mads Mikkelsen gets a hell of a final uh, standoff, though, when he's killing Nazis in the house, trying to, trying to... Well, I don't know what his hope is. He's obviously not escaping because it's like him versus 200 Nazis. But he goes out uh, goes out giving them hell, at least. That yeah. was a fun scene. He's sort of the secondary character in this one, the Turelinhardt character. The flame is the, like, the main character in a way. But, yeah. It's just uh, a bit too long, a bit too soap opera Not really my favorite. But... Yeah, I was thinking that... The, the, the killing of the Nazis, it helps. Yeah. <laughs> Anyone see Coco and Chanel? Uh, <laughs> the, the, the second of two Coco Chanel biopics? <laughs> no. Nope. Then we have Valhalla Rising, which I have seen at least. I mm. I seen it. Yeah, this week. Oh yeah. Did you? Were, were you want to? You want to lead on that one then? Um. Well, I I did see it on a DVD and. The image quality wasn't great. I don't know if that's just like the transfer or the actual film's problem, but it didn't help my enjoyment. It's, it's again a very like loose storytelling, not a lot of actual plot. It's, I think it's supposed to be about something really deep, but I didn't catch what that would be. Mm. So I'm not really positive nor negative about this one. And a lot of 2009 digital blood mm, yeah that's true it was set in like a th- year thousand Matt Mickelson plays a mute one-eyed Viking warrior who's a prisoner is it said that he's a Viking well I don't know I'm just saying that like <laughs> uh, wouldn't you be Vikings around that time also he's just led around by these English and uh, yeah sort of weird weird stuff happened I I love it because I love Nicholas winning Raven uh, he feels a bit like Herzogian uh, to me in this one. It's like just doing, yeah, it is. It is very abstract, very visceral, a lot of religious undertones, and I think it's a one that you either hate or you you really like in a way. It's very, yeah, uh, very you get with it or you don't. Yeah, like I can see why people would absolutely hate this because it <laughs> is. Uh, it's not. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Like there's, there's, yeah, there's uh, not a lot on the surface, really. No, and this you're, was also just marketed completely incorrectly back in the day. I think mm, maybe I don't know about back in the day, but definitely the probably like after Drive come out, people would be like, well, Drive was also really yeah. incorrectly advertised, I guess. They're difficult to 
categorize. And they're trying to advertise them as action films. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It, it, I didn't think it was very good, but it was definitely interesting. And it's also only like an hour and a half long. So I remember really loving it when I watched it. Should have sent Brandon to watch this one. Get that Castle Keep take. <laughs> okay. It does sound interesting, though. I, I like that kind of surrealist kind of dreamlike qualities to movies. So, I mean, I, mean, I will like it if I watch it someday. Yeah, anyone watch The Door? Or are we jumping to Clash of the Titans here? I did not see The Door. Anyone see Clash of the Titans, actually? Yes. Okay, you haven't seen it. Not okay. recently, but I have seen it. <laughs> no. Okay, do you remember Matt Mickelson being in it at all? No. <laughs> okay, I haven't seen it either. <laughs> so then no. uh, we have Three Musketeers on the other side, which I uh, the Paul V.S. Anderson adaptation, which I have seen. Has anyone else seen it? Yeah, a long time ago. No. Yeah, Matt Mickelson plays Russia Four. He's the chief guard of the Richelieu's force, whatever. If, if read the book, if you want to want more details, because this well, movie I don't, probably. I don't think the book is gonna help much when trying to understand this movie. <laughs> maybe, maybe not. But I mean, at least you'll know the, the who the characters are. And oh, it's yeah. What is it? It's like a sort of steampunk adventure, action adventure, Three Musketeers adaptation. Leaning I, way I thought, too heavily on the then popular 3D. Oh, really? Because yeah. well, I didn't, I didn't notice that. There was no 3D, obviously, in what I watched. But okay. I don't know. I thought it was fun. Uh, not great. Definitely like a bloated CGI mess, kind of in the in the climax. But especially like the first half was a lot of fun. It took me way too long to realize that Luke Evans and Orlando Bloom are two different people. <laughs> but <laughs> I don't know. It's not great or anything, but I, I had fun with it. I haven't seen it in over 10 years. so Yeah. I mean, there's nothing, nothing major, but I think it's one of those where, oh, you know what? Now that you see, now that everything is sort of same, same, you're like, okay, there's a little bit of flavor here. Yeah. That we, we don't really get that anymore. I guess that's just like Paul V.S. Anderson is for all his faults. At least he is a director with a with a singular vision who does his movies and isn't like made by committee. Even though the later Resident Evil movies do sort of feel like they okay. were made of a committee by a committee. All right, I by the committee that he was the head of, though. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't really seen any of those. I mean. It seems like the Paul V.S. Uh, W.S.A. Anderson uh, committee's main. Like their their the the main point on their agenda is just Mila Jovovich is hot. Watch my hot <laughs> wife do cool shit. Yeah, <laughs> and that's all right. Yeah, I mean, fair. I I too. If I could make movies about how hot I think my wife is, I'd probably try to do that too. <laughs> Flex on them. Yeah. Yeah. Next one I've seen is a royal affair. Which I've seen. You've seen too, Marty. Yeah. Recently. Uh, not recently enough to really tell you what it's about, but <laughs> okay, it is I was very good. Sort of, v- sort of hoping you had because <laughs> I saw it twelve years ago when it was in the cinemas. Uh, it's uh, what I remember. Mikkel Bo Fulsgard. I don't know if I'm yeah. pronouncing that exactly right. Mikkel Bo Fulsgard. Yeah, he's great in this. He plays as a like a king or a prince in Denmark. Yeah, a king. Crazy one. Ki- yeah, King Christian the Seventh. Like mentally challenged, but still in a lot of power. Absolutely crazy. And yeah. Alicia Vikander 
gets married off to him, but she falls in love with the court's physician played by Matt Mikkelsen. And it's just a really good historical romance drama. Yeah, um, I don't remember that much from it. We I lived in Denmark at the time, and it it was Oscar-nominated, so yeah. we watched it. Uh, and I think I remember they, Matt Mikkelsen gets uh, um, killed at the end, right? I think he gets decapitated. Maybe I'm wrong. I don't remember, but could very well be. Well, I think so, because he betrays the, the throne by cheating, yeah. sleeping with the king's wife, I guess. And also exerting pressure on laws, because the, like, the actual king is mentally challenged, so he basically just tells him what to do, which laws to sign. Um, I think this is also when like communism was starting to be sort of a thing. Well, no. uh, it's set in the like end of the 18th century, start of the 19th century. Well, uh, if, if that helps. Mickelson is a lot more liberal than what was uh, common for uh, governments back in the day. So he forces his agenda through through the crazy king. Mm, okay, I see. Given when Christian the seventh of Denmark was born, it would be set at the towards the latter half of the 18th century. Could be because he's born in 1749. Hmm. Uh, I have no clue if this is is in any way uh, based on uh, reality at all. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> uh, someone call someone who knows about the Danish royal family. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's a good movie. Let's just leave it leave it there. Yeah. Uh, next one then is The Hunt, which I think is is a great movie. It's the Thomas Winterberg movie. Another. Another Oscar-nominated uh, Best Foreign Picture one. And um, this one, Matt Mickelson won Best Actor at the Cannes Film Festival for, I think. And I really thought he was going to get an Oscar nomination for this back then. But he did not. Uh, well, it's about, yeah, Matt Mickelson plays a kindergarten teacher who gets, a, I think, or a kindergarten? I think he's a kindergarten teacher. Yeah. Uh, so too, he's, yeah. he's divorced, um, trying to get custody of his son. And then uh, suddenly he's accused of being a pedophile. Uh, yeah. Sort of like this this girl in um, in the kindergarten uh, li- basically lies about it. As, as at least we the movie makes it seem for us that we think that okay, Matt Mickelson is innocent the whole time. I, I think they make it sort of explicit that she's lying, but she isn't lying, lying. Like she isn't. She just says something, and it gets taken as if. It's made, it's blown out of proportion, basically. She just says something, she just learns the word for penis or something from some friends. And then she says like, oh yeah, so it's penis. Something like that, just offhand, and it just all blows up. Yeah, and uh, it's it's about like uh, mob mentality and frontier justice in a way, because it's, uh, it never goes to like a court or an investigation or anything. It's just about how this this society kind of completely shuns out Mads Mikkelsen uh, based on this. And, uh, yeah, it's a really... Well, it's really hard to watch, but it's really good. And Mads Mikkelsen's fantastic in this. And we have Thomas Bulasnian, who plays the the father of the girl who says that Mads Mikkelsen showed her his penis. Um, yeah, it's just, just really, really good. Um, and then in the end, it's sort of it turns out that the, the, the girl says that it, it wasn't true in a way. Uh, but then the very end is like Matt Mickelson is in the in the forest hunting, and someone shoots at him but misses, 
and it's like okay so clearly some people in the community still believes he did it yeah and it's like okay he's like well shit like he can actually never never live in peace this will always always haunt him yeah it's directed by thomas winterberg who did uh the celebration again it was uh, one of my f- all-time favorite directors he, he's great yeah just just a good movie and uh, Matt Smith is great then we have some i don't know move on i don't think anyone saw that charlie countryman which was called the death of charlie countryman but then they changed that i remember I didn't see this one, but I was at the Berlin Film Festival when it played, and then it was called The Death of Charlie Countryman. And then I don't think it did very well at festivals, and I think the cut that's out now is different, and now it's called Just Charlie Countryman. Uh, Age of Uprising. Michael Kohlhaas. Yeah. You see this one? No. (laughs) This is the only one I, I rented from my library to see and then just didn't watch. Because it was two hours and it was in French and I could see, just watch something that was in English and not have to read <laughs> subtitles. <laughs> and I wanted to do that. Well, then the next one we have is The Salvation. That's a great one. Which Brandon has seen. Yes. And I have seen. And I recommended that you should see this one. Yeah, and I'm glad you did. It, it was removed from HBO Max in December over here. So well, I was you, just... knew, you knew he was getting a page already in December, know, why didn't you? I know, I'm sorry. <laughs> spend your holidays better. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but The Salvation, it's a great Western. Maz Mikkelsen played um, a Danish immigrant to the Wild West with his wife and son. But it turns out his wife gets raped and murdered and son also gets killed. So he um, kills the two people who committed the crime. But it turns out One was the brother of, like, the big crime boss in town. So now he has to, like, take down this crime empire. And it's it's a really great revenge western, I thought. I'd recommended it to my dad, who was the person who turned me on to westerns in the first place. He loved it, too. It's a a really good western. Lots of action. And Mads Mikkelsen playing a very stoic character like he typically does in these action movies. And I'd recommend it if you like westerns. Yeah, I really like this too. I've seen it. I I've seen half of it once, and I didn't like it, and I stopped it, and then I watched it again now, and I was like, "Why did I turn this this off the last time? This is great." Oh yeah, it's Mass Mickelson, and he's he's been to America for a while, and his wife is finally coming over, and he's built up like a farm. He and his brother are living there. His brother played by Michael Persbrand, who we came up earlier, uh, but um, it was is really his wife, it was good. wife played by Ava Green. No, she plays the wife of Jeffrey Dean Morgan's brother, who is the guy that Mads Mikkelsen kills. Okay. And Jeffrey yes. Dean Morgan plays like a former Confederate, or he plays a soldier from the Civil War, at least. I forgot yeah. which side he was on. <laughs> I don't know if it states. No, but he's yeah. He, he basically has an iron f- grip around this town and forces them to pay him for protection and stuff. Oh yeah. Yeah, shot in South Africa, I think, standing in for the Yeah, Western. you are right, yeah. And it was mm-hmm. really, it was supposed to star Matt Mickelson and his brother, Lars Mickelson, who is an actor. But then Lars pulled out and Mikkel Persbrandt, who's Swedish, actually, plays his brother. And he speaks Danish in the movie. But what's funny is that when he speaks English, he clearly has a Swedish accent. Because <laughs> they're very different uh, Danish and Swedish accents in English. And so he cannot hide it uh, when he's speaking English, which I always, which I thought was funny. Yeah, it's a great, great little revenge western, uh, for sure. 
I would recommend it if you're a big fan of High Noon, which I am. It's one of my favorite westerns because it has that kind of shades of like people are cowards and heroes are far and few between. So most people in the town are just like just kind of bow down to the villainous characters and like, but only one or two people will really stand up to the bad guys. Mads Mikkelsen is, of course, one of them. And um, yeah, I just think it's a really tight revenge film. Although I'm not sure about the Ava Green subplot. That... I don't know if that was really necessary. Maybe it was. I don't know. It just kind of confused me a little bit as to why it was considered necessary to leave in the script. But I'm not complaining too much. Yeah. It's, it's a great little movie. You could have stripped it down even more. Sure. But yeah. yeah, no, it's, it's good. It's got a bit of like the, um, a fistful of dollars element in there too with like Mads Mikkelsen mm-hmm. getting pretty roughed up and then going back and like healing up and then coming back as a vengeance. And pretty fun mm-hmm. is that uh, Jeffrey Dean Morgan's main uh, enforcer is played by Eric Cantona, the French uh, football player. <laughs> Marty suddenly oh. shook awake. Yeah, <laughs> he's, he's quite famous over here. He was a, he's a great footballer okay, in the in the early to mid '90s, and then retired very young. And now he does acting sometimes. And I, does, does he kick I, somebody in the face? No, he mm. just. Walks around being being large and looking intimidating, which is was always his thing, I guess. But that's <laughs> that's really fun to, to that he just shows up in this. Fun for us at least who who follow football yeah. of the European variation. Well, Marty, then you can finally talk as much about men and chicken as you want to. Yeah, that's next. <laughs> Problem is, I don't remember all that much. It's a uh, Mads plays one of two brothers who are socially awkward. They have a hair lip. I've, uh, is that how yeah. you translate it? Like uh, a, yeah, they, yeah, yeah, they have like a cleft, cleft palate. Yeah, yeah. And um, I think everyone uh, looking at the poster, character posters, everyone in this movie seems to have that. Yeah, it's sort of like <laughs> a, a genetic family trait mm-hmm. that the, the the family has in the movie, but like they're socially awkward they don't have girlfriends but the two brothers are constantly bragging to each other how good they are at sex and how much sex they have <laughs> at the start and it's 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 more explicitly outwardly funny than under Thomas Jensen's other films which is sort of like playing it straight and that makes it funny hmm. but yeah they I think they inherit a house in the middle of nowhere in Denmark somewhere and they start just emptying it and they discover more weird shit as they go <laughs> along like their uh, predecessors had sex with animals and that's where their cleft lips come from <laughs> <The> fuck <laughs> it's, it's like really really weird it, this sounds even by by the Anders Jensen standards this sounds really far out it is weird, but <laughs> it was my entry into his filmography and it's kind of rules also because Matt's is like actually funny he isn't playing the straight guy or his body language in it is fantastic in a lot of the other movies he kind of ends up with the straight guy role i feel not yeah. not the uh, flickering lights where he definitely plays the i guess the most oddball of all of them yeah but it's played straight still like it's a bit absurdist but it's still funny because it's played so straight hmm. and in man and chicken he just goes sort of crazy like the character doesn't think himself as he is funny, but we are supposed to immediately think it's funny. If that makes sense. <laughs> All right. Okay. I so I if if you can get your hands on this one, I highly recommend it. 
um, I think the problem is that uh, is this is only out on disc in Denmark with only Danish subtitles or in Germany with only Danish and German subtitles. So I have to re- look around and find out where where can you get this. I, I saw it on a temporary streaming service that I had <laughs> during Corona. All right. So it's really sort of by chance that I got to see it. All right. Well, I'll I'll, I'll have to 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 search uh, around for this one because I'm I'm intrigued if this is more like outwardly funny than his other movies, which are more just like okay, this is hey, this is really fucked up. Is is aren't you laughing? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, there's a lot of that as well, but also well, yeah, like it's more outwardly fucked up and more outwardly funny. Yeah. Okay, interesting. Highly recommended. And then next one up, I guess, is uh, Doctor Strange. Unless someone saw The Phantom, oh. which is an eight-minute long... Short I don't know film. what the fuck that is. It's a Ford commercial. <laughs> it's a commercial for a what about Ford. about Bitch Better Have My Money? Is that in here? I You can talk about it. I don't know when Bitch Better Have My Money oh. came out. Uh, 2015? Oh, it's a music video. Yeah, 2015. So, yeah, uh, talk about it all you want. It's got Eric Roberts in it. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it does have Eric Roberts as a cop who just, well, it's a music video, of course, by Rihanna, where she, like, gets back at her accountant who's been, doesn't have her money, I guess. And, um, is it her accountant? Yeah, Mads Mikkelsen is the accountant. Yeah, yeah. I believe she kidnaps the accountant's wife or whatever and tortures her for a little uh, while, and Eric Roberts shows up and is like, ah, some girl's partying, yeah, but then, like, they're actually hiding the corpse of the accountant's wife that they just killed or whatever and Eric Roberts is oblivious to this then Mads Mikkelsen shows up at the very end being like tied to a chair about to be tortured then the music video just ends I mean I just think it's funny that Mads Mikkelsen is in it to begin with and as well as Eric Roberts but I just had to bring that up yeah I know I know it mostly from that I just remember there's an interview with Mads Mikkelsen where they're like uh, they ask him about it and he's like yeah I love it I'm I'm the bitch yeah he, he actually gets on screen Sort of like a title card, not really a separate yes. card, but text where he's like the accountant, yeah. a.k.a. the bitch. <laughs> All right. Yeah, I guess uh, also this is the point where we should bring up Hannibal, the TV show, if anyone's been watching that, which, of course, Matt Mikkelsen played Hannibal Lecter on there for three seasons. I have not seen it. No. Oh, right. seen well, it. I've seen it and I, I love it. I think it's every bit as good as people say it is. I think it's very plays sort of loose with the adaptations of the various stories. If you've if you've read any of the books, I've read uh, Red Dragon, which uh, he's not, you know, barely in Hannibal Lecter. Well, Hannibal Lecter's in that. He's as much in that as he is in Silence of the Lambs. I think it's just. Oh yeah, probably. Uh, um, only the latter ones, he becomes sort of like the absolute main character. In a way, like Red Dragon, that's yeah. the same thing. Cop investigating a crime and uh, looking with, for Hannibal Lecter to help. Uh, yeah, the first season is um, one one murder case, an episode, in a way. And that's before they discover that Hannibal Lecter is Hannibal Lecter. So he's, he's a free man for... I don't remember how far it goes in before he's arrested. Maybe it's all the way into season two, actually. I think he, that's when they realize he's... Uh, Hannibal Lecter is Hannibal Lecter. And I think they partially adapt the Hannibal book, um, the Italy parts of that book, with uh, Will Graham obviously replacing 
Clarice Sterling, because he's the main character of the show. And then the second half of uh, season three uh, adapts uh, Red Dragon. Okay. And so the first two seasons are kind of looser, more, uh, or they're not strictly adaptations. But yeah, the season three is half Hannibal, half Red Dragon. So obviously in way the other order. Was the show canceled prematurely? Uh, hard to say. I mean, the, the final episode definitely, there's definitely finality to it. There's no like, okay. it sort of leaves you, doesn't, it's not like it's, it has, ends on a cliff, well, it ends on a cliffhanger in a way, but it's one of the, where they're like clearly, okay, we can end it here, where you're like, so I think they wanted to do a fourth season, which was going to be Silence of the Lambs, but uh, they didn't. And I mean, now it's nine years since it, it was taken off the air. So starting to really doubt anyone's picking it up for that fourth season. Yeah. <laughs> Wasn't it really graphic for network? Oh. oh, yeah, yeah. It's super graphic. Yeah, uh, nice. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, th- I think it's just like the opening shot of like the first episode almost is just like on on a corpse. There's yeah, so many, so many vicious uh, murder scenes you see, like people who are skinned alive and Mm. Um, yeah, I think I'd, I'd recommend giving season one a chance at least because season one is sort of like where everything is standalone, and you can sort of if you watch three episodes and you like it, you can just drop off, and then season one, two and three it all becomes more like uh, you you you're watching all of it, or you just might might as well not watch it at all, <laughs> in a way. <laughs> but then yeah, Doctor Strange, uh, okay. Mads Mikkelsen plays the villain in this Marvel movie. <laughs> and I watched it when it came out. I don't remember a lot about it. The rest of you have yeah. seen it? I've seen it, yeah. but it, it's a Marvel movie, so it's what you would expect. You know, got all the trademarks of the series, you know. It's got lots of bathos, you know, like serious moments undercut by edgy humor, you know. like Oh, so that happened. Like, yeah, that kind of stuff, you know. And it, I mean, it's a good movie, but... I mean, it's not anything spectacular. I mean, it has some good, you know, visual effects and that kind of stuff. But, I mean, it's a Marvel movie, so it's par for the course, I'd say. Yeah, I remember Scott Atkins is in it, which is kind of fun, but I don't think he doesn't even have any roles. No, <laughs> in a role, he doesn't even have any lines. He always has a role. Uh, yeah. <laughs> he wouldn't be in the movie if not. He isn't in it enough. But I do, like I said, I love actors who just roll with their bad guy typecasting. So I did really enjoy seeing Mats as the main bad guy in this one yeah and but other than that i'm not a fan no i see my review from one i saw in cinema it's run-of-the-mill marvel origin tale weak characters great visuals okay and, uh, yeah, yeah that's fair that's sort of it like yeah i don't really remember that much of it didn't bother with the sequel or anything mm, i haven't seen the sequel either no i mean I've, I've really gone off the whole marvel thing they did yeah, their end yeah. game. I watched that, and I was like, I, I don't need, I don't need to invest on a second round of this. Thank you. <laughs> goodbye. Yeah. yeah. Well, then just rolling on to the big IPs, because right after he did in the same year, actually, he did uh, Rogue One, a Star Wars story, where he plays the secondary. No, he plays her father, right? He was the dad of the, that's right, uh, yeah. Felicity Jones. Yeah, that <laughs> was so he weird. The Death Star. It's so weird yep. to think he wasn't playing a villain for a second. Yeah. Like, oh, he plays the secondary <laughs> villain, right? No, he's a, he's a good guy. Well, I guess he's yeah, forced I, to be a bit of a bad guy by building the Death Star. Yeah, it's that's a crime, but yeah. I think it's a great movie. I love Star Wars, so just about anything set in the Star Wars universe is going to pique my interest. So, I mean, I think Rogue One is probably one of the better entries in the series since the original trilogy. It might be the best one since the original trilogy, maybe. 
as a lot of people said, it put the wars in Star Wars because it takes a more gritty take on the intricacies and tactics of like warfare in the Star Wars universe. It's got a lot of action scenes and some people might say it goes on for a bit too long with the action, not enough character development and that kind of thing, but I- I'm fine with that. I thought the characters worked well for me. A lot of people said they were kind of shallow and not, you know, properly fleshed out, but I, I disagree. I-, I thought I thought the characters were fine, but it's definitely more emphasis on the nitty-gritty of what goes on inside, like, a war in Star Wars. And for that reason, I loved it. I thought it was great. I, I, I have a I, controversial opinion. Uh, okay, maybe it's the same as mine. <laughs> it's the best Star Wars movie of all. Oh, no, that's Ooh. not my opinion at all. Okay, that's <laughs> that's very much the opposite of my controversial opinion. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think it's okay. Not a huge fan. And I hate every single instance of shoehorning a character from the original trilogy into it and that's what really ruins it for me like the c-3po r2d2 cameos princess leia cameo darth vader cameo and obviously the the resurrection of uh <laughs> peter cushing's from the dead yeah and the uh, worst one though was the two cantina goons panda baba and dr eva zan they're in there like for like two seconds and it's just there to say Remember these guys? Well, I did you know, not the remember guy. those guys. <laughs> oh, there's the guy. One of them gets his arm chopped off in the cantina okay. by Obi-Wan. And maybe I just forgot that was also in Yeah, they're in there for two seconds, and it's totally unnecessary. But other than that, I was fine with it. There's some fan service in there, but what do you expect from a Star Wars film? I mean, I have you know, set. Yeah, I haven't yeah. seen this since. I saw it in 2016. I saw it in Denmark, and it was the second movie I saw that night. And you can buy beer at the cinema in Denmark, so... <laughs> uh, not maybe not the greatest memory of this one, but yeah, yeah. No, just That's all the all the like. I was like, I would be so much better if they just had the confidence to not put Darth Vader in it, to not put Princess Leia in it. But it's it. I did enjoy it. I think it's okay. Like it's fine. It's it's a fun action movie. Love to see Donnie yeah. Yen in the Star Wars. Of course, mm-hmm. I just wish they they had the confidence to not need to like recreate the ending no the opening of a new hope that's fair to say i mean yeah that having been said that is probably the greatest darth vader scene in the entire series it's fan service but i just can't help but love it anyway yeah Yeah. completely disagree i think it's the worst (laughs) darth vader sequence in all of star wars (laughs) i mean it is fan service but i just i can't help but enjoy it I think it just, it really, it undermines the whole story of the film, which is about these other characters, and they're like, oh yeah, they died. Also, whoa, look at Darth Vader, oh man, isn't this great? Yeah, remember this scene? Forget about those characters that you spent two hours with that died. Look at this rad stuff. And that's, that's, yeah, that's why I just hated that that sequence, really. That's fair to say. Unnecessary to put at the end, because it has no relation to this movie. Yeah. And that's that's what I, I really would have loved if this movie was allowed to just be itself, which is the way they did. Because um, what's that show, the new one called? Andor. 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 Yeah, that's sort of a spin-off on this one, and that mm-hmm. one yeah. is is allowed to be that thing in a way. It's allowed mm-hmm. to be its own thing. That it is not like, oh hey, look, Mark Hamill's over there in the corner, whatever. <laughs> Have you seen Andor? Yeah, I've seen some some of it. Sees the okay. Uh, yeah. I think it's great. I think it's yeah, yeah. It's, it's own really, thing. It's, 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 it's own thing. It's the yeah. only. It's the only sort of really good thing they've made. I think. I I love it. I think they. All the other stuff is just it. I all just becomes fan service at this point. And Andrew's just like, oh hey, we're over here doing our own thing. 
I mean, mm-hmm. I guess it's fan service if your favorite Star Wars characters are Forrest Whitaker from Rogue One and Diego Luna from <laughs> Rogue One. Then it's fan service if that was your your main Star Wars guys. But if not, <laughs> it's just it's just a really good show. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. Anyone seen Arctic? Yes. Oh, then talk about it. I have definitely not <laughs> seen this. But it, this is sort of like a minimalist movie. Mikkelsen plays a guy who has crashed in the Arctic and he's just surviving. But then there's a helicopter crash and a woman is seriously injured. So he decides to leave his place of, well, where he's able to survive in the harsh environment. And he decides to leave it to get help for the girl, dragging her along. And it's sort of like this minimalist movie of them trying to survive in the wild, Hmm. in the Arctic. Yeah. It's sort of like a horror movie in that sense, but also not at all. Like I said, minimalistic, and I uh, really enjoyed it. Yeah, there's like two actors in the whole movie, right? Yeah, I think three, but one of them, yeah, is the helicopter pilot, so you he's like a corpse. <laughs> that's it. <laughs> because you see the helicopter crash, or it starts after the crash of the helicopter? What's the... No, no, no. Well, it, he is sort of already like sending out signals, I think, and he gets a response from one of them so he knows there's somewhere he could go to at the beginning and then he's sort of forced to actually act on it when the helicopter crashes later okay all right yeah he carries the movie because he's yeah well, hey, well he's in every yeah. every scene it'd be a terrible movie if he wasn't able to carry it i guess because he's the yeah. only guy <laughs> the only guy you're getting there yeah well anyone see the van gogh biopic he's in yeah all right well but I must say, I was very jet-lagged when I saw this. So <laughs> don't ask me anything about it. Well, teach us how to pronounce Van Gogh. <laughs> Van Gogh. Ah, Jesus. Oh, so you don't remember anything about this? No, not really. Oh, he plays the priest. I, I, I definitely see. don't remember Mets in it. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, Willem Dafoe is the lead. It's, uh, it's a bit weird, a bit arty, I think, I'm guessing, because Julian Schnabel makes weird arty movies in a way. Yeah, I did give it a three and a half stars, so I did enjoy it, yeah. the parts I was awake. <laughs> no, I only know this movie from Willem Dafoe getting an Oscar nomination for it. Yeah. Oh, then next up is, which I watched last night, Polar, uh, because I had to either resubscribe to Disney Plus to watch Indiana Jones 5 or watch the Michael Callhouse movie, which was in French. So then I was like, I'll watch Polar because it's on Netflix, and I will. And I, I, I wish I hadn't. I wish I'd rather done anything else. I wish I'd gone to bed <laughs> instead. Polar is fucking awful. <laughs> At the end of the year, it's gonna be Polar and General Commander. I think for the worst thing I saw this year. <laughs> uh, it's directed wow. by Jonas Ockerlund, who's this Swedish music video director, and it's just. Edge Lord, try hard, garbage, super garish visuals, and I mean, Mads Mikkelsen's okay, and the his story, his his parts of the movie is like almost okay, basically. But there's this whole B plot with um, a bunch of a group of other assassins who's killing other assassins, and it's uh, assassins uh, for a bureau for some kind of assassin agency and when they reach a certain age they can retire and when they they retire they get paid by the company forever and then 
So the company is starting to uh, make plans where they're going to kill them uh, right when they retire because then the money they would have to pay to retirement goes back to the company or something. It's like a, 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 a some some kind of uh, thing like that, whatever. And it's uh, just just the worst. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, Matt Mickelson innocent. Uh, everyone else go to jail. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, there's like uh, some. It, it tries to do like the old boy hallway sequence, and it's just so awful. And uh, no, ugly to look at. Ugly, ugly on the outside. Ugly on the inside. Matt Mickelson, sort of innocent. Just don't watch it. Okay. I I hated it. Hated it. Hated it. So would you recommend it? No, <laughs> not at all. It's also like two hours long, so it's not like even a brief watch. Mm. Well, onto something better then. Another round. Yeah, Dok, another Thomas Winterberg movie. And this is the movie I teased on the start where it has uh, deals with Mads Mikkelsen's dancing career. That's what I thought. Because he, in this movie, he plays a high school teacher, but who used to be a jazz dancer or jazz ballet Whatever, he has a dancing past, which is obviously based on Mickelson's own past. And uh, what, you all, everyone watch this? I've seen it. I skipped it. All right, well, it's really good. It's about these four high school teachers who uh, decide to uh, reference an experiment where some guy said that, oh, humans have 0.5 too little alcohol in their system. What would you call that in the in English? The How you measure the... blood alcohol? Oh, the blood Pro-meal? alcohol. You call I don't it know. in English? I, I don't drink, so. <laughs> well, it, there's, anyway, the point is that they want to have a constant low level of intoxication because that will make you happier. Oh. Uh, some guy said that, that uh, humans are born with like a 0.5, too little, and if you have that, you will like be be more confident, be more outgoing, have more fun. And so they, they try to do this by <laughs> basically drinking and hiding it from their families and, at work. <laughs> and their colleagues yeah yeah and it, well, it starts working especially for Mads Mikkelsen who's this really boring history teacher and uh, the parents have like a meeting where they're like uh, maybe you should stop teaching our children because they might get have to get exams in history and you are too shit of a teacher teach them anything <laughs> yeah. but then his classes become really inspired and everyone loves his history classes when he's a little bit drunk yeah. but he's also an ex-alcoholic oh right? he is I... I that's what i got because in the party scene in the beginning he's really hesitant to get a drink no that's just because he's driving ah okay yeah yeah that's got yeah. nothing to do with the alcohol. that's because he's he said it his, his wife is uh um, his wife's at work and he took the car and so he's he's not supposed to ah, be drinking okay. that's that's all uh, <laughs> um, okay. I yeah. thought it was implied but I must have misread it yeah no I don't I don't think so I mean because I, I don't know I don't think they have alcoholism is not a thing in Denmark they haven't established it it doesn't exist you just it's just a normal way of being yeah it's just uh <laughs> just this life in denmark well because there is a completely different alcohol culture in denmark compared to even other nordic countries like in denmark it's completely normal if you go to lunch during work to have uh some something some alcohol oh it's like it's like the belgium of scandinavia 
Yeah, almost seen as <laughs> mandatory. We're like, oh yeah, you'll have a beer and a schnapps while you're having lunch. Of course you will. Then you go back to work. Maybe maybe they've dialed it back a bit, but that's our stereotype I know that of them. The 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 taxes on alcohol in Sweden are insane. Yeah, yeah. This is um in Sweden you can only buy alcohol at the liquor store. In Norway you can buy liquor uh under for four point seven percent and below at the grocery store. Everything else is at the liquor store. In Denmark you can buy whiskey at seven eleven if you want. <laughs> yeah. There but is it's n- like nothing. the tax the tax ridiculous in Norway as well. Yeah, tax is pretty expensive. Uh a can of beer. You can buy like a a beer for ten cro- Danish kroners in Denmark and in Norway like twenty seven kroners the lowest you're gonna get. So well basically twice as much. Wow. Okay. Doesn't the government own the liquor stores in Sweden or something like that? They're all owned by like the government. Yeah, I, I believe so. This is Systembolag, it's called. It's uh, we have that here too, being Monopoly. Oh. Which okay. uh, liquor stores are? There's you can't open a liquor store. Their liquor store is a is a thing, basically. Yeah, there's only one liquor store in a way. It's a <laughs> it's a chain, uh, regulated by the government at least. But yeah, there's um. A lot of um, paperwork and uh, stuff for selling alcohol. And in Denmark, very relaxed. Like I said, you can get a beer at the cinema. (laughs) And yeah, obviously their experiment here goes uh, wrong because it it would, right? (laughs) You can't just just have a movie that's just like, yeah, drinking all the time is good. And they just just get super happy and live forever after. Of course not. They take it out uh, too far uh, one night at least where they're like, they want to try to just like basically not stop drinking. Of course, it doesn't go well. Mads Mikkelsen ends up uh, falling over and hitting his head open and falls asleep in his neighbor's drive-in. One of the other guys goes home and he pisses in his, the bed on his wife. <laughs> and um, Yeah, but then Thomas Bulasen, who's in this one again, he is is the guy who's able unable to stop. He becomes an alcoholic during this uh, project in a way. He he, he the one he's, he fa- he fails, not fails, but he uh, he can't quit it again. Can't control it. Yeah, and so that's uh, he ends up being fired from the school and uh, commits suicide by the end. Actually, it's uh, this really downbeat, and uh, of course it gets everyone in trouble. Um, in a way, the guy who pisses in his bed, it kind of fixes his home life in a way, because yeah. what they, because they, he kind of hits rock bottom then, and he's like, oh yeah, I gotta do better, and because they have like young kids and stuff, so his wife's like, oh, yeah, we work on it, and then they that works for them. Matt Mickelson's marriage also collapses because of it, and it doesn't go as well, but that's also because they've been having a lot of trouble for a long time. They've been married for a longer time. They have older children, and his wife's been having an affair. And because all the actors today are just repeating, his wife is played by Maria Bonnevi, who starred in IMD now. Because everything is a flat circle when we're we're looking at Scandinavian actors. Well, Denmark has like 6 million people. Yeah. So obviously you're going to see the same actors over and over again. Yeah, but even they're bleeding into Norway now. She's a Norwegian actress playing a Swedish character in this movie. (laughs) And she's also in another Mads Mikkelsen movie. So they all, everything, everything just bleeds together. But yeah, and then uh, there's a thing during the whole movie where Mads Mikkelsen, everyone wants Mads Mikkelsen to dance all the time because his background and he refuses to. But then in the final scene, he, um, they're celebrating with some graduating students 
and they they drink again for the first time since uh kind of giving up the experiment and um and yeah then he starts dancing around with the students and it's sort of like you can interpret this as a happy ending or maybe as a it's a sad ending in a way that like <sighs> he's he's never he's he, that he he actually also will not be able to break free from this in the end he too is maybe an alcoholic now i choose to interpret it as a happy ending but it's up to everyone i guess yeah my my main issue with the film is uh i am sort of anti-alcohol myself some bad experiences with it in my uh, close social circles and i always want movies like this to take a firmer stance against alcohol use oh i thought it was too ambiguous in the ending mm. to really okay do what i wanted it to do Oh, okay. I have pretty much the opposite experience. I mean, I don't. I love this movie, and uh, I just it made me want to go back to when I studied in Denmark and just want to drink all the time. <laughs> <laughs> made me really nostalgic for daytime drinking, which probably is it's a bad thing. It says a lot about me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Another Thomas Winterberg movie. Another great one. Another. This one won the Oscar, I think, and got Winterberg a nomination. And again, I thought it was going to get Mads Mikkelsen an Oscar nomination. Uh, it did not. He got a BAFTA, which is like the English Oscar nomination. Mm, this one didn't play Khan, which is a bit weird, given that maybe it did play Khan, but it didn't pick up any awards at Khan, at least, which, uh, uh, given that The Hunt was a big, big player at Khan. But I don't know who gives a shit. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I, I I love this movie, and then the next one is right into Writers of Justice, which is funny because these another round of Writers of Justice pretty much dominated the like the Danish uh, film awards uh, that year because they both came out in the same year, and I think the supporting actor category was only filled with performances from another round of Writers of Justice that year. <laughs> Yeah, it makes sense. And uh, um, Marty, you seen both. You want to try to guess who won? I'm gonna go with uh, Bo Larsen. Uh no, it's Lars Brigman who plays Leonard in Writers of Justice. The kind of most normal of them. <laughs> Is he the one that's like tries to pose as a psychologist? Yes, he's well, he's the okay. one with a uh, with two arms and that isn't obese, I guess. Oh, okay, yeah. The, yeah. the sort of most normal of the three weirdos. <laughs> but the one, yeah, the one who keeps running his mouth and gets his nose broken by, yeah. by Matt Mickelson all the time. Um, <laughs> yeah, Writers of Justice, the, five, the so far last movie by Anders Thomas Jensen. Matt Mickelson, Nikolai Likos, Nicholas Bro, all back. Uh, the old the old guy died between Men and Chicken and This, so he's gone. Rest in peace. Um, so yeah, this one, Mads Mikkelsen is deployed in Afghanistan or Middle East, and uh, then he's supposed to come home, but he has to postpone this trip again, and his wife is killed in a train accident while he's still away, so then he has to come home and uh, take care of his daughter, their daughter, um, who was with the mom when she died, I think. Mm-hmm. And yeah, and then there's also there's this this weird computer uh, scientist guy 
well, two of them, played by Nikolai Likos and Lars Bregman, uh, who've just been fired from a project because they've wasted a lot of money on, on doing statistics on things that nobody wants. Uh, but they are also on the train at the same time. At least Lars Bregman is on the train. No. Nikolai, yeah, one of them is. One Nikolai them Lee Koss is. is on the train. And he he gives up his seat for the wife, and so he feels guilty about it. And then, so in, basically in his way to grapple with it, he basically invents a conspiracy theory where he's like, oh, no, this one guy on the train that left just before the explosion was actually doing it. It was a planned attack by this <laughs> this um, motorcycle. It was really funny because they have this face recognition pattern thing. And then you have Nicholas Blue who plays this computer hacker guy. He's a very <laughs> antisocial <laughs> computer <laughs> genius. But he has a face recognition software, and he has set it to like 99.9% match. And then they only get a match on this one guy who lives in... Uh, I forget Turkey? Egypt I think no Egypt Egypt yeah. yeah you get a match on this one Egyptian guy and like no 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 that's too stupid it can't be that and he's like no 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 <laughs> so then he finally agrees to like lower it to like 99.5% and they get a second hit on the brother of this motorcycle guy who runs a motorcycle gang and they're like that's it this motorcycle gang must have have done this attack and then of course you know, it turns out it was just the, the Egyptian guy who was there for a holiday <laughs> in the end <laughs> it's so, yeah. oh it's so funny uh yeah the egyptian guy was just in denmark for a holiday and they've now they they started a gang war with this biker gang for nothing <laughs> and that's the whole like end of the movie when they find out yeah and first they get dragged into this conspiracy theory slowly but sadly yeah and Mads mickelson just plays this completely closed off soldier guy Who's just yeah. like not exp doesn't want to display any emotion, and yeah, he just starts going around killing members of this biker gang. Like this is Anders Thomas Jensen' signature dark humor, but it's combined with genre elements that make it stand out. Like it's a great dark comedy that fits into his filmography, but it's also like a great sort of action movie. And I think the two combined make this the best of his filmography yeah for sure that's what what really made it for me too is like he has comedy but you get like a genre film when really with like a plot that really moves forward with goals and yeah. stuff compared to other stuff and it also has it's there's a lot of a lot of heart in it and like with with matt mickelson having to like sort of create a relationship with his daughter and these kind of three f <laughs> fucking weirdos <laughs> also trying to sort of find a home in a way and it it just like it felt like it was where where something like Adam's apple feels like it's just all evil all the time in a way like it has has no there's no positive outlook on anything this one sort of does have like a heart in a way where it's like yeah there's it, it can work out things can be somewhat better yeah, it's a good movie in some parts it's almost too good because I love the scenes with the computer nerds. They're so funny, but they're there are almost too many of them that it almost distracts from Mads Mikkelsen's um, journey as a character who's very stoic but learns to like have a relationship with his daughter. So it's a very good movie, but I don't know, maybe too much content for two hours. I don't know, but I still liked it a lot. Yeah, I mean, we we briefly mentioned this on the Christmas episode because I had just watched it then, and uh, yeah, this is the movie that made me nominate Mads Mikkelsen for the Hall of Fame. 
which he's now in. Congratulations. Yes. Um, <laughs> yeah, because that's a bit it's sort of a thing, I guess, too. Is, is Matt Mickelson an action star? How many action movies does he really have? And it's like, it's this and Polar and Casino Royale, I guess. Which sort of a big one. The Salvation Counts. Doctor Strange. Three Musketeers. Yeah. I mean, he's no Dolph Lundgren, I guess, in terms of being an action hero. But. <laughs> no. <laughs> Yeah, give me Mads Mikkelsen's uh, Punisher and uh, Dolph Lundgren's <laughs> another round. Let's see that. Oh, that'd be fun to see. Yeah, but this is just an absolute masterpiece in my uh, book. Yeah, yeah, this is. I could I not love this one. Could not recommend this one enough. Check it out if you're gonna check something out. I don't know. Then we're running in. This was my last one, so I don't know. Anyone seen Chaos Walking or Fantastic? I've seen two movies after this one yeah fantastic beasts three yeah yeah it's uh Tell i'm not a big harry potter fan but i do like the world of these three fantastic beasts movies it's just that the stories that are told aren't that great mm. like i'm enjoying the world in all these three movies but it doesn't quite grab me which is a shame but there's like there's three movies and after three movies i still think oh there's potential in this Whereas, mm. like, the third movie in, you should have reached the potential. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, and he he replaces Johnny Depp in this one, because Johnny Depp was yeah. too busy beating his wife <laughs> or something. Well, <laughs> that's why they, the whole, he corked yeah. stuff. Not getting into it, but uh, that that freak show meant they had they chose to replace him. M- Mets is great. I think he... Like, I don't know if they did an extensive rewrite when he was put on or something, but, like, it seems tailor-made for him, this role. And like I said, he's an excellent bad guy. So I did enjoy him a lot in this one. Yeah, and I got to give it to Matt Smickelson. I haven't seen this movie, but he does seem to show up for his movies in a way that uh, Johnny Depp has not been doing for the last 15 years. <laughs> no. Seems awake in a way, <laughs> you know. Well, what I also like is like there's a lot of actors who, as soon as they make it in Hollywood, they stay in Hollywood. Yeah. And I just I just love that Matt goes back to Denmark to make masterpieces as well. Yeah, all the time. Just keeps going back. Yeah, like he doesn't seem to be doing it for the money or whatever. Just like he loves to make movies and these are the movies that he likes to do. And like this one was probably more for the fans who like to see him as a bad guy. But, you know, he shows up for it, like you said. And uh He's he is enjoyable. All right. Well, I'm 100% not checking it out because I don't care about Harry no. Potter and <laughs> the third movie into a series, but I'm glad you had some fun with it. And then the last one, because I think it's the last movie he's made so far that's available to see, and um, it's Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny, which I did not see. So you two of you knock each other, knock yourselves out talking about it. <laughs> Indiana Jones okay. 5. Brendan, take it away. All right, it's the fifth Indiana Jones movie. And um, Indiana Jones is sort of in a sorry state at the beginning of the film. And he gets drawn into this um, mystery where he has to, like, find this um, time travel device before a bunch of neo-Nazis do. And the neo-Nazis are, of course, led by Mads Mikkelsen. And they want to go back in time to rebuild the Nazi empire. Well, not rebuild the Nazi empire, but help it conquer the world back in the 1930s and 40s. And, of course, Indiana Win Jones... Yeah, and Indiana Jones has to stop them. And my feelings are mixed on it. On one hand, 
as an Indiana Jones film, part of this like big franchise that had like three of the best action movies of all time, it doesn't really hold up. I mean, it doesn't really stand up to like quite as well as the original trilogy. So it is a bit disappointing in that regard. But as like a standalone action adventure film, it works very well. I think it got some good action scenes. Some of them kind of blend together. There's this unfortunate thunderball sequence when they're underwater that just kind of doesn't do much for me. But I mean, it's a fine film if you just kind of divorce it from the original trilogy of films. And there's just some stuff, you know, about Indiana Jones being very sad, which is not really what you want to see in an Indiana Jones film. You want to see him on a high adventure, you know, and you don't want to see him bummed that his son is dead from Vietnam or whatever. But so, you know, it evens out in the end and it's watchable. Yeah, it's better than the average blockbuster, but it's way below the level you want from an Indiana Jones movie. Exactly. Though I was surprised by its quality still. Because, like, I didn't hate it. This is completely serviceable by mm-hmm. today's standards. Yeah. But, it, like, it's nothing special either. You're exactly right. It's way too reliant on green screen. Like, if if they'd done all the, the, the chase scenes live action, this would have been great. Yeah. Some of them kind of blend together. There's a lot of, like, action scenes in the Mediterranean region that just kind of start blending together after a while. But other than that... The middle act does kind of drag a tiny bit, but I, when it gets to the end, there's it really commits to what it does at the very end in the last act. I don't really want to get into spoilers unless you want me to, but and it's it, a bit fresh, maybe. Yeah, I, mean, I haven't watched it yet, but I mean, okay, also, so I won't spoil it. I kind of backed off at the two and a half hour runtime, and that's uh, understandable. I mean, this is yeah. it's thirty four years after uh, Last Crusade. It just feels like really unnecessary to bring it back. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's one of those movies that is definitely very good, but probably should not have been made in the first place, if that makes sense. Yeah, that's it. It's as good as it can be, but it should never have been made. And where, yeah, do you yeah. hold, where do you hold it in comparison with, like, Kingdom of the Crystal Skull? Just I would say Kingdom of Crystal Skull is probably better. Because, like, I don't know, Kingdom of the Crystal Skull gets a lot of hate for, you know, aliens and all that kind of stuff, but it's... It's a pretty fun, upbeat film. Well, Dial of Destiny has some moments where you're kind of like, whoa, Indiana Jones, he's he's kind of bummed right now. I don't really like seeing him that bummed all the time. You know, I'd rather just have him being Indiana Jones and having fun. You know, that's kind of like the my reasoning for that yeah. ranking. And Crystal Skull was St- uh, Steven Spielberg and George Lucas making just another film. And this one is really catering to the fans of uh, Raiders and Last Crusade. Yeah. Like, that's the vibe they're going for. There's Nazis again. Yeah. Like, this movie does not care about Crystal Skull or Temple of Doom. Yeah. Okay. It does mention the events in Temple of Doom briefly, but it's definitely more of like... It really goes for the vibes of 1 and 3. Yeah, that's fair to say. Which, they're also my favorite, but (laughs) it doesn't feel that original. But like I said, it's it's way better than I expected still. Yeah, the the first and third act I thought were pretty fantastic for what they were. It does drag a little yeah. bit in the second act, but when it's going well, it's going very well. But also, I, I like that Matt's plays a villain who's sort of similar to Le Chiffre in that he's oh. sort of like desperate and doesn't really know what he's doing. <laughs> okay. Like Le, Le Chiffre doesn't... Like he's lost a lot of money, he clutching at straws, organizing a poker tournament. And his bad guy in this one is sort of like similar. No. Especially in the third act. He's like, he doesn't really know what he's doing. Yeah, yeah, that's and he, true. He, he's great at playing 
that extra layer of villain. Mm-hmm. So I did really enjoy him in this one. Yeah, there, there is a moment kind of like during like the transition to the second to third act where you kind of like, oh, Matt Mickelson, he's not really in control of events now, is he? No, exactly. As much as he yeah. would like to be, yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, that is his final movie to date. He has one more movie that's completed and out that's called The Promised Land or The Bastard, which is the English, the Danish title of it, Bastarden, uh, directed by Nikolai Arcel, who did Royal Affair. Yeah. And it's another period piece, 18th century Denmark, sort of Danish Western. It has a release date in Norway coming up this uh, spring. And I'm going to watch it at the cinema because I'm excited about it. Uh, I heard a lot of good things about it, but not been able, uh, not not possible to watch it yet. I think unless you went to some film festivals last year, um, and I did not. <laughs> Sorry, I'm ap- applying this year already. All out of bubblegum podcast credentials for Venice Film Festival. Sure, let's go. Yeah, <laughs> sure, there. I'm sure there. Go for that. <laughs> and then he has has some other ones coming up. Something called Dust Bunny, which is um from Brian Fuller. Who did uh, was the guy who behind um, Hannibal, which is uh, some action horror drama about an eight-year-old girl uh, seeking to kill the monsters under her bed, and uh, doesn't don't know a lot about it. Uh, I think she seeks help from a neighbor, and I think Mads Mikkelsen is playing the neighbor. And he has two more movies listed as pre-production: one called Billion Dollar Spy, where he plays some guy who became a spy during the. Cold War, some guy called Adolf Tolkachev. I don't know who he is, but I'm, I'm thinking that's a biopic. And then his final movie in pre-production is called The Black Kaiser, and it's a fucking sequel to Polar. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. So you will be there on day one. <laughs> oh, yeah. Straight to Netflix, probably. I don't know. It says Matt Mickelson's returning. It says Vanessa Hudgens is t- returning. It says it's in pre-production. And I fucking hope it gets cancelled. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, at least they will give him numbers. Because I think, like, I don't know. is All of Matt Mickelson's numbers come from Polar. I, I think know. he kills, like, 75 in it. King Arthur. He kills a lot in it. That's for sure. Uh, he he plays an assassin, assassin in that one. Yeah, uh, like a retiring assassin, and he, it's basically a John Wick ripoff, like John oh. Wick exploitation, if you want. Uh, the polar, yeah, it's uh, just fucking terrible. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. So you wouldn't recommend polar. What would be <laughs> your top recommendation? Uh, well, the, it's basically what I gave to Brandon in a way. In uh, uh, Pusher 2, Valhalla Rising, I told him to watch. The Salvation, The Hunt, Another Round, Riders of Justice. And, uh, oh, I mean, if you haven't seen Casino Royale, watch Casino Royale. Because <laughs> you're, you're missing out. Maybe something like After the Wedding or Open Hearts. They're not great, but it's like it, they're good Danish dramas. My favorite Mads Mikkelsen film is Rogue One, but if you really, really want to watch a movie that's really about him as a character, well, I mean, his characters, The Salvation is where it's at. That's just a great Western, so oh. that's probably my recommendation here. I definitely missed out then. Okay. Yeah, I'd recommend Casino Royale and Riders of Justice mainly, but like I said, I'm a big fan of Anders Thomas Jensen, so everything he did, watch the Winterberg movies and A Royal Affair. I think that's that's basically what I would recommend. Yeah. All right. 
well that's it for this week um join the join the website join the discord uh subscribe on patreon uh yeah i'll put another link to marty's top 250 project in the thank you very much description join the discord to join in on that one yeah you have 11 months to do that um to watch uh 25 uh, albert pune movies I have not. I did not nominate twenty-five Albert Pune movies. That would be that would be too much even for me to like try to force twenty-five Pune movies into being some of the best action movies of all time. I think I only nominated three or four Mean Guns or five. I nominated Mean Guns and Spitfire and Kickboxer Two and Kickboxer Four at least. And Nemesis is already on there, so it's in play. Oh, I did nominate Knights. Sorry. Um, so uh, f- maybe five or six Pune movies I nominated. <laughs> but yeah, uh, and next week, I have no idea what we're talking about. <laughs> no. We haven't decided. We will decide before we record. <laughs> yeah. Yes. We'll see. All right. That's it for today. Uh, go watch some Matt Mickelson movies. Mm-hmm. Well, not you two, because we've been watching too many. Yeah. <laughs> Well, at least I have. Maybe, Brandon, you can watch some more. You can afford to watch some more. I definitely need to. I mean, some of these sound really good based on the synopsis given. Oh, Jesus! I watched 11 Mads Mikkelsen movies so far yeah. this year. That's that's too many. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, anyway, uh, Rod, thank you for hosting. Oh, yeah. Yes, thank you. It was a last-minute thing that fell into your lap, but uh, thank you very much. Yeah, thank mm-hmm. you for thank joining you. and not being... In, in an icy hell of your own making. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, we'll see you next time, unless we're all uh, frozen in by then. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Have a good day. Enjoy. Goodbye. Bye bye. Bye. And the snow was like this. <clears throat> we couldn't get out. We couldn't get out. We were there forever, and it was so cold, <laughs> and we couldn't communicate. That was not a good day. I just think I'm making something. Steven Seagal med Fred Williams. Jo, det er muligt. Det kan man. Sammenligner heller ikke, jeg siger bare, at uh, Fred Williams, han, det, han er kongen. Det kan man ikke sige. Jo, det kan du ikke. Så kan jeg lige så godt sige, at uh, Steven Seagal er kongen. Ja. Ham, Charles Bronson og Frank O'Neill. Og Fred Williams. Og Bruce Lee. Ja, sådan noget 70 eller noget. Ja. Det er det, det er også det bedste deroppe. Hvad er, er Charles Bronson så? Hvad er Frank O'Neill? De, de bruger våben. Pistoler ligesom alle andre, ikke? så er det tidsløst. Vi lever også i 90'erne, ikke? Jo. Du kan godt lide Steven Seagal, du kan ikke lide Bruce Lee. Nej, det sagde jeg ikke. Det er det, det, du sagde. Nej, nej, nej. Jeg sagde ikke, at jeg ikke kunne lide ham. Jeg sagde bare, at uh, Steven Seagal er bedre. Ja, men du sagde, at Steven Seagal er bedre. Steven Seagal er tykkere, han er ikke andet. Nej, hold nu op med at sige sådan noget slut. Det er han. Han er da bare godt bygget. Det er så stærkt. Nej, det gør han ikke. Det gør han, da han står der. Hvorfor kommer Louis, ja?